Blog Talk Radio. Estrada won, got off to a great start. Gonzalez tried, tried, tried to get back in the fight and really did until the last two rounds, especially the last round. Estrada did just enough to pull it out. We'll talk about it all the way through, not just round by round, but of course, you know, Gonzalez isn't always the strongest starter but it usually doesn't take him five, six, seven rounds to warm up either. So a lot of people are talking about how Gonzalez looked chop-worn, looked a little faded, just didn't look himself. And I I don't think Estrada did either. I think that that fight really took something out of him, both of them. The last fight, throwing that many punches. I mean, they they both landed over 300 punches in as we know, if I remember correctly, what was it, 391 <laughs> from Chocolatito? So that's almost 400 punches. And although, you know, he looked pretty damn good after that fight, did Gonzalez, but that was not the case, um, you know, for Estrada back in September. He looked actually pretty bad. So, um, you know, it is what it is. That's what happens. I mean, it took, just for the rematch, even though, Nobody really likes to talk about it. It took like, what was it, like eight years or something like that for the rematch. So this could have been maybe on the fourth or fifth fight. And I'm not trying to say, I don't mean to get messages. I'm not trying to say, oh, Gonzalez was ducking him. He was taking on hard challenges and he was going up and waiting. And, you know, he was getting on HBO and on Golovkin's undercards and the Superfly and all that. I'm just saying that, that, you know, 35, 32, both have been in a fair amount of wars. It doesn't surprise me. Tyson Fury fought Dillian White. Not a whole lot of recap, but will Usyk be next? Daniel Dubois. Oh, my goodness gracious. He had a rough first round. Credit to him, but, man, that was rough. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other fights. Uh, Kelly, Machine Gun Kelly. But Kelly Williamson, pretty good performance by uh, keep your hands down, try to fight like Roy Jones. Kelly, um, 
and even that uh, that David Light Brandon uh, Glatton fight, we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to preview this weekend, preview and predict Teofimo Lopez versus Sandor Martin, which a lot of people think this is going to be a tougher, more difficult style to deal with than a kind of pretty much faded Pedraza, even though he's a very skilled fighter. That's going to be on ESPN. Um, and uh, you don't have to worry about the programming going over because it's a program in the Heisman that is actually timed. So there's no live game, but it is a big booster usually, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, ratings and whatnot. Uh, Zayas and Jared Anderson on the undercard, a couple other people we'll talk about. One of the best fights of the weekend as far as main event in, in pretty much close to a 50-50 is Josh Warrington and Luis Alberto Lopez. Luis has been on a nice run of late, and that's not to take anything away from Josh Warrington, but he is up and down in his performance. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that card. And then, of course, on BK, uh, that's on zone, by the way, and the BLK Prime pay-per-view Crawford returns versus David Avenesian. We'll talk a little bit about the undercard. There's actually an undercard fight that I am pretty interested in, but I have to admit – you know, it's not a, a pay-per-view that I'm pumped up to, to go and get, I'll be honest with you. I did get the one last week, um, but I'm not. I, I don't think I'm going to get this one. Just being honest, you know, just being honest. I'll pay attention to it. I'll watch it when it's done, when it goes online. I'm not going to live stream it and steal it, but, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, no, no big deal. I'm sure I'm going to get some heat for that. But it is what it is, like I said. We do have a variety of uh, boxing news. Um, we do know a whole lot more about the undercard after the press conference uh, for the Gibraltar Davis and uh, Hector Luis Garcia fight. Um, and we now know for a fact, we kind of thought that was the case. Didn't really totally know, but we kind of, well, we now know that, uh, you know, Gervonta and Mayweather promotions are no longer tied. Doesn't mean they won't do some work together. Doesn't mean he won't be, maybe they won't be at some events or whatever. I don't really know how that's going to work, if that's the case or not. But we now know that's a done deal. But the other card, not like the co-features like an it fight, you know. Um, I think there's a good fight, like Rashidi's in a good fight, Rashidi Ellis. Demetrius, considering he's been out of the ring, it's okay. Um, but it, it just, and then obviously Boots, Boots is in there with a guy that, you know, um, it's an IBF ranking thing, you know, so we'll talk about the undercard, but as far as names, you know, it's an interesting card that way. Um, and part of that Boots thing was Stanonius, sorry, you know, Ortiz, we'll talk about the purse bid being called and the dates and times and all that. And then there is some rumors out there. That we'll talk about for a big fight coming up uh, involving Jamal Charlo. We'll talk a little bit about that. And also, is the WWE entering the boxing sphere? We'll talk a little bit about that. And, of course, some current fight news, bunch of current fight news that we'll talk about. And, like always, the boxing Twitter segment where we read the tweets of the week and, uh, you know, have some fun with some fanboys, and obviously sometimes once in a while we got to call out some media members for behaving 
like fanboys. But we'll get into this recap in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Open and download the show directly there. Um, or listen to the browser. If you don't want to, you can find the platform, Ropadopa Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, and a whole lot of other places. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com, Phil Boxing, and Eastside Boxing. Um, and one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $49.99 for two months. If you go with the Choice or Ultimate package, that gives you three free months, uh, savings of $160 for Showtime, Stars, Cinemax, and Epix. Uh, the best of live TV and on-demand. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without those fees. That's Direct TV Stream. Okay. So, whew, um, it took a while, and it took a while to heat up as far as a two-way fight. And, of course, I'm talking about Estrada and Gonzalez. But, you know, I didn't think it would really necessarily live up, um, especially, you know, the punch stats. Now, for a normal fight, it's actually, yeah, that's fine. You know what I mean? They did they did plenty of good business for there. Uh, but um, it took a while for it to get competitive, two-way, right? Um, rounds one, rounds two, rounds five those are all Estrada for me round three and round four you know maybe you could give Golovkin maybe you give Gonzalez two of those uh maybe just one I don't know some people had it you know five one um three two whatever I just thought um like I said it took a, a little while to get going um for Golovkin or Gonz- God I did it again Gonzalez you know more so um Whereas Estrada, you know, started with the jab, kind of um, landing a nice left hook as well, really getting on his left hook and then pivot. Um, He was doing a good job of that. Um, You know, Gonzalez would land a combo here or there, but I think there was a combo near the, in the second half of the second round. That was probably his best shot. Um, But round three, you know, I think that that's where Gonzalez started to uh, – he closed strong with some bigger shots. I think it was a left hook that really kind of stood out. Um, both guys were starting to, you know, have some give and take, so I did give Gonzalez that round. Fourth round, pretty close. You, you did see Gonzalez, like I said, pick up the pressure right from the gate. Um but, like I said, moving with the pot shots and the left hand, and, and, and he kind of picked it up a little bit as well, uh, did Estrada. Um, those quick little combinations, clean shots. Um, although, you know, Gonzalez responded to some of the stuff that Estrada did in the fourth round, I still gave it to Estrada fifth round at time using that jab that was actually pushing him back. I thought that was kind of interesting from Estrada. Overall, just better shots. Whereas, you know, Gonzalez had his moments, had spots. Um, but then this thing started tightening up. And I guess not round per round because then all of a sudden, sixth round, very close round, could have went either way. Then I thought Gonzalez, seventh, eighth, ninth, 
Let me look at it. Tenth. Um, you could even probably have gave him the eleventh. It's tough to say, but he really started to land those hard shots in those combination hooks, uh, combination with both hands, by the way. Um, and, and you know, the defense started getting. I'm not going to say shaky, but finally, kind of landing through those that defense in the movement from Estrada, and, and he actually started getting them on the rope. And although Sergio Mora was saying he's still more so much more comfortable on the rope. I mean, maybe early on, I think I don't think he was all that comfortable on the rope, Estrada. I think he just, you know, would pivot out of there um, more than, you know, just sitting on the rope countering because the more and more he sat on that rope or at least was getting cornered, maybe not directly on the rope, that's when Gonzalez started landing those hard shots. And although Estrada had answers, probably not enough, even like in the 10th round, Estrada was probably more active, you know, but he was still lingering on those ropes. And I thought the better land in a close fight, close round, um, I thought the better lands were Gonzalez. Um, Fun back and forth, especially the last minute of that 11th. And that was a close round. I I believe, I'd have to look at the scorecards again, I believe the scorecards gave Estrada both those rounds. I don't, I'd have to watch it again, to be honest with you. I think he closed really strong. Uh, with a nice combination, like literally there was one in the last like 10, 15 seconds. Um, and maybe that's what people kind of feel like he stole that one. Um, but I I just thought, you know, the flurries and, and him constantly cutting that ring off, I, I thought that could have went either way. Then I did think Estrada, um, although Gonzalez had a good start, finally kind of landed those hard shots again, pivoting, body work, hooks. And he actually, in the last part of the fight, was starting to land the right hand, and not just to the body, but a straight right hand. Uh, the judges' scorecard had had it. Uh, one was a draw, 114-114, 116-112, and 115-113, so a majority decision. And in the predictions, I actually get a majority decision, but it was for Gonzalez. That's actually I, I actually went away from Estrada. I picked him in the second one, and I was wrong. And I was wrong again on this one. But, you know, that it could have been a draw. I mean, if we're being honest, 6-5, 1-7-5. Um, I don't know how much you get past 7-5. Uh, I mean, when you, you don't want – I don't know if you get to 8-4. to four, I damn sure don't think it was uh, a 9-3 to three fight or anything like that. I thought 8-4 to four is – I actually think 7-5 to five was the most you could go. But, I, you know, 8-4, to four, one judge had it. Okay, you know, I'm willing to give you there. Um, 219 to 201 as far as landing. So both uh, landing pretty much the same amount of shots. Throwing close. Estrada did outwork them 778 seven, to 732 and was a little more accurate, which that wasn't the case either. Uh, the jab was not as big of a deal for Gonzalez this time, whereas he was landing. I mean, don't get me wrong, he was landing it. And he probably landed more. I'm not sure. But the, that was a big advantage. And there were hard jabs in that fight, uh, the second fight, and even the first fight. Um, and then the body advantage once again went to Estrada, 62 to 31. Um, overall, like I said, the second half of the fight was more competitive. We didn't have a ton of rounds where it was super competitive and you're like, hmm, that's a 10-10 round or, hmm, you know, there's two or three rounds where I just literally have a question mark 
and it's a swing round fully. We had close rounds, but I felt like there was a series of Estrada rounds and a series of Gonzalez rounds and some swing rounds in there. Um, that's kind of how I saw it. It was a, it was a fun fight. Um, watching boxing as long as I have, knowing that the trilogy fights you usually get one that's a little calmer or one that you know just doesn't pop off as much or it's one sided. Um, and also being you know I do want to say it was really competitive down the stretch. So I'll never really complain too much about a fight that ends up fairly two-way. You know what I mean? Um, it definitely was not the second fight. That fight was one of the better fights of that year. Some people thought it was the fight of the year. It's definitely up there regardless. And just the punch stats alone, these guys were just letting it all hang out. And I probably believe they did a little bit more in the first one too, but Estrada just fought a smarter fight. He stayed on his activity. He wasn't going to get outworked. Wasn't going to get outlanded. And like I said, it wasn't necessarily a bunch of upper body movement or a better guard. I just thought he, he pivoted. He moved. He circled. He, he you know, and he made sure that when you know in a lot of these rounds when Gonzalez would have you know a really really good moment or two or combos or you know maybe a 20 second time boom Estrada would come back and uh so I thought that's why he won that fight close fight though I do think Gonzalez won but I'm sorry Estrada won but it was a competitive fight and I don't mind a fourth fight now do I want it a year and a half from now (laughs) or two years no Uh if they take you know mediocre opponents and then fight each other Again, okay, that'd be fine. Um, I don't mind if they do it again. You know, um, I don't know how much left both guys have. Obviously, youth-wise, I don't think I should use the word youth because they're both in their 30s. But 35 to 32, um, obviously, in the last several years, there was that brutal knockout, um, you know, by a rung beside, so I don't know how much these guys got left. You know, my gut tells me Estrada has more, right? But who knows? You know, maybe he'll be happy to walk off in the the sunset right now, knowing he, he won the last two. And I know that's gonna hurt some people. Why? By saying that, I understand Chocolatito probably deserved that second round or that second fight. I, I think he did. I, I actually, like I said last week, I did the rescore. And I did score it for him, but I guess my whole point, and I did get several messages last week over this, I guess you're not, just have a little bit more open mind when I'm saying this stuff. I don't, when I say I didn't think it was a 9-3 to three fight or an easy win, or not easy win, but you know, a, a super, super clean, all the way win 9-3 to three for Chocolatito in the second fight. That's not saying I didn't think he won the fight. But I, I it just, I don't know. And I know I, I'm in the minority on this one. Um, overall, I believe John is, is, you know, we've talked about this too. It's like, and I saw Al Bernstein, and, you know, I'm not trying to name drop, like, hey, he's smart. He, he agrees. You know, I'm not saying that, although I kind of just did. But you know what I'm saying. Like, it wasn't such a walk-away victory in in, in as people thought it was. And, and I really, what contributes to that was the shitty scorecard. 
And so if you go, oh, Gonzalez won that fight, dude, that was bullshit. I had it 9-3, to 8-4, to four, and all of a sudden there's a scorecard that's way lopsided. But to me, it's way lopsided on both sides. I, I, if, you, if you watch that second fight and you thought it was 9-3, to three, I don't know, man. And I know 8-4 to four is close, and 7-5 to five is not that far away, but it's not, not every fight is like that, though. There are clean 8-4 to four wins where you, you can't give them any more round either way every once in a while. But I, I, I knew I was going to get a lot of messages, and I admitted that I have bias towards both these guys compared to these, a lot of the, the guys at these weight classes, right? And also, I'm a little biased towards Estrada because I thought he got a little undervalued this whole time. And so, but to be fair, I was saying that to be honest, but let's not act like people don't have bias towards, uh, you know, Chocolatito. I mean, come on, dude. And he got underappreciated for a while. He probably should have been number one pound for pound there, you know, when, when Mayweather uh, retired and, and when uh, Ward was on a break. You know, I agree. I was saying that then, like, hey, man, you got a strong case here. He went through the flyweight wars and the super flyweight wars. And, um, yeah, he deserved it. He deserves it, and the guy got better at fighting. As a come-forward fighter, the angles in the constant rapid-fire short punching and the accuracy and the power and the, just the constant, I'm coming at you. Now, did we see that for most of the fight? No, and that's where he probably faded. But let's not act like Estrada looked great you know, in his last fight either. So and he didn't look all that phenomenal in this fight. I just thought strategy was a little bit better. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the Tyson Fury stuff and the Dubois stuff and some other stuff, too. And then we'll get to this weekend. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John. It's been, I think, a few weeks because my schedule's been all messed up. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in John a little bit early here and get his take on this fight. And then we'll kind of work, you know, work around our, our way through this card because we did have the, uh, another fight. Um, Martinez actually was against Carmona. Um, and just other fights that we'll talk about from the weekend. Let's go ahead and bring in John into the fold. What's going on, John? How you doing, my man? Hey, Chris. Long time no talk. Great, great. Yeah, I haven't talked for a while, and uh, great to be here, as always, listening to your breakdown of uh, Chocolatito Estrada 3. And, you know, a lot, a lot of points I agree with, and a couple, couple of things I saw a little bit differently. Um, maybe uh, let's look at even going in, into the fight. Um, and I just want to say, I saw a couple couple of weeks ago where, you know, as a straight underdog, you just straight out and, and picked uh, John Ryder. Um, that was a fight I was hedging on a little bit that didn't didn't really make a definitive pick either way. Um, wanted to credit you on that. And then, uh, you know, going into this weekend, I, I settled on Estrada, who was, a, you know, a dog in the fight, plus 175 going in. And as we know, he got the win. And it doesn't mean, of course, we're always right. Nobody is, but um, you know, a lot of a lot of people who make prognostications, unless it's a clown who just picks every underdog, you know, and then hopes to get one right. I mean, I, I discount that. But a lot of people who claim to be great prognosticators, um, they just they never they never pick an under. I mean, they're just never out there straight picking an underdog. You know, they're they're hedging and and all this kind of stuff. And and I always think, what what good is it? So, 
wanted to say that you know we're looking at this fight going in. It, it became that Estrada, even after getting the decision in the last fight, was an underdog going in. Um, you know, heard you talking about their second fight. You know, controversial, but I thought Estrada did enough. Now that one, very close fight. You know, I, I thought a seven to five type thing, Estrada in the second fight was was reasonable. So you know that sure. that had to do with my analysis going into this one because um, look, I I've really admired Chuck Latito's career, um, you know, but he he's got a he's got a fan club now and and even a cult fan club and and not saying he doesn't deserve it, but it, it's kind of laughable right. to me leaked, when you look at the scoring and, into of their these thoughts. last right of these last two fights is so the answer for these these last two fights was the Chocolatito fan club is supposed to do the scoring. And then we're supposed to look at that. And that's supposed to be unbiased. I mean, you know, that to me is the argument of however flawed they may be. That's why we need boxing judges because you can't have the Chocolatito fan club scoring the fight and having the definitive analysis, just like you couldn't have if there was an Estrada fan club or any fighter you want to pick. So I, I always find that stuff's kind of ridiculous. And I think it gets to the point um, not yourself and, and not everybody, but what are even clouds some people's analysis going in. So, you know, I, I put my Estrada pick out before the fight and was taking a lot of crap before the fight. And, you know, those people, you know, all you could hear was crickets after, after the fight ended. So now, now getting into the fight itself for my scoring, this one, I, I usually don't feel it's that clear. And of course, not everybody's going to agree, but, but, the, you know, and, and you always do that really good round-by-round round breakdown and have the notes. I don't do that, but this one just kind of stayed so clear to me the way I saw it that it was easier to remember than most. I just thought – I thought the DAZN commentators, Mora, you know, a lot of times you don't, you don't agree with him and, and so, some of the stuff he says or you, you think he says something off the wall, but I thought he kind of was getting it right, you know, during the first half of the fight. Um, and, and even in, in, again, in this instance, you know, in Mannix, I just thought that the first six Chocolatito for, you know, what, you know, Hey, the guy's 35 years old, you know, like you said, you know, he's been a come forward pressure fighter. Uh, that's tough for a fighter at, at any weight class to do as they get into their thirties and mid thirties. And it's basically unheard of for weights this light. I mean, I always like to still go you know, roughly by the original divisions, because I just don't like to do my analysis on stuff the alphabets have created, even after all these years. So like, you know, career basically as a traditional flyweight in terms of the weights. And now this would be like where you're up a a bantamweight, you know, super flyweight 115, you know, would have been in the old bantamweight division, but I'm just saying it unheard of how far he took it. Even And even though I picked Estrada in these last two fights, I'm of the opinion that because it's lower weight fighters, I thought people weren't getting this too, uh, especially because these two guys are still, you know, near the top in a lower weight class. I mean, these guys are at advanced ages for, uh, even though Estrada's younger, he still is for, you know, 115 pound fighters. So I, I really thought when Chocolatito started to fight at 115 pounds to me, his legacy was already secure. Um, you know, I, I rate him higher than Ricardo Lopez, for example, because Chocolatito, 
you know, started at 1.5, these alphabet divisions, but he went all the way up through traditional flyweight and was undefeated and stayed as the number one guy, you know, so of somebody of more recent decades of a, of a, a lower fighter, lower weight fighter, I look at it, you know, Ricardo Lopez never even fought a traditional flyweight, 112 pounds. Uh, he only even just fought a couple of fights at 108. You know, to me, that was a much more superior legacy for Chocolatito fighting at the top. So we'll miss a lot of stuff. I mean, to me, even before he started fighting at 115, considering his age, the legacy was secure. It's just when he's fighting at 115, then a lot more people became familiar with him and became fans. But that to me, you know, he's already in the late, later stages and he, he bounced back from the two Sorung Visai losses. And, and I thought he could have gotten the decision in their first fight. Um, great. You know, that was a great comeback. Again, advanced age fighter at a lower weight with a pressure style. And, you know, Estrada, you know, he's in his early 30s again for 115 pounds. That, that's getting up there. So I, I thought, especially Chocolatito, the legacy was already secure. But I looked at him more, you know, he, he's a guy on the downside at this point. Um, even Estrada's not at his best. So, you know, I, I thought looking at their ages, you know, to me, even though Estrada didn't look good in his last fight, he, he was, he, you could see he'd become the sharper puncher. Of course, you know, when I've, you and I have talked about even going back to the second fight, I was saying that, you know, I thought Gonzalez was pushing his punches even in this comeback. And Mora did mention that, you know, just not quite as sharp. So I thought Estrada was very sharp in the first six. Like you said, he was pivoting. I thought he was making Gonzalez miss. I couldn't find where Gonzalez pulled out around in those first six. He just wasn't doing enough. He wasn't the sharper puncher. Estrada was much sharper. But then what was really surprising is I think a lot of it, you look back on the fight, was because Estrada just expended so much energy, basically dominating those first six, moving, pivoting, being the sharper puncher, really throwing more better punches, that he seemed to kind of gas. Um, And then Chocolatito, he surprised me. He had more left in the tank than I expected at that point. And he came on strong. I thought then Chocolatito did dominate the next four rounds. Uh, I thought after losing the first half of the fight, I thought he swept the next four and was basically dominant in those rounds. And then I, I thought you could see Estrada's corner. And, and I, I, I was even shocked at that point because then I had it, you know, six to four with Chocolatito sweeping four rounds. But then I thought Estrada's corner emphasized the desperation. Hey, look, you know, you got to pick it up now. I thought he looked uh, Estrada now. I thought he looked kind of labored in the 11th, but he was really consciously pressing it. I thought he did enough to win that round. You know, uh, it seemed like you were looking at that kind of the same way. Could have gone either way, but that, you know, Estrada could have done enough to win it. You see, some some people were complaining about that. I, I thought he did enough. And then I thought in the 12th, it was a clear Estrada round. Then I thought he looked back like he did in the first six. You know, he really, I think he was, you know, right. gas, uh, you know, when those rounds that Chocolatito uh, swept those four, and I thought Chocolatito there had, to his credit, he had something left in the tank that it didn't appear at all that he had. And that might be, you know, part of being an older fighter, um, you know, that, that he had to he had to save something in the tank and to, to come on like he usually does. I mean, all fighters, you know, get old. 
uh, you know, nobody beats father time. So, you know, he, he turned out though he had something left, but then I just thought Estrada did enough in the 11th, but looked more labor, didn't look great, but really just pushing it. I thought he did enough. And then I thought in the 12th, he looked more like he did in the first six, whatever he had in reserve, then he was pulling it out. And it looked like Chuck Latito, you know, that that's like when you're behind and then, you know, he's got to expend all that energy trying to rally it looked to me like then in the, in the last, as we got into the 12th Chocolatito, then, you know, he, he kind of had expended what was left in his tank and, and he didn't have quite enough to come on. So I thought that the, you know, basically an eight to four, a four point Estrada win was within reason, but I'm with you in the sense that I certainly wouldn't argue with anybody that had that, you know, a seven to five, a two point win for Estrada um, I am, though, going to go far. I, I couldn't see a Chocolatito draw there. Uh, myself, I, I couldn't see that. I certainly couldn't see a Chocolatito win. I think that's when you're you're kind of getting into the fan club stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know how I don't know how you get a win. I don't know how you get a win for him in that fight. Um, you know, close competitive fight, like you said, I agree. But, um, you know, I thought Estrada, and, and I would agree with people who even thought Chocolatito won the second fight, which I didn't think, but that was, a, was this a more clear Estrada victory in this fight than the second? Yes, I agree with that. In other words, was the second fight closer than this one to me? Yes. I, so I'm going to say that to make myself clear there. Yeah. I thought that was a, that was a tighter one. I thought Estrada edged it. This one I thought was a little more clear, um, you know, so I thought, you know, an eight to four Estrada or, or seven five Estrada to me um, was fair scoring in this one. Sure. Uh, where I do disagree, I, I don't need to see this again. Um, you know, these, these, like I said, I thought Chuck Latito's legacy was uh, secure. Estrada had a good one. Now, now he, you know, like you said, he was probably a bit underrated. Uh, this probably enhanced his legacy, and that, and that's fine. Fair enough. Um, but I don't, I don't need to see this again. Um, you know, one thing, look, I, I know that it, it might, it's a type of thing that might very well be a blowout, but, you know, Cliff Rold, who writes for boxing scene and, uh, you know, had, had written for the ring and was one of the founders of transnational. He, he kind of had that opinion too. Like I, I, we know now, you know, and I'm not saying Chocolatito after this one, but, you know, he was saying it a little before this and then, you know, I think it would apply to Strada. You know, I know there's some other knowledge of people who have followed these smaller guys' careers who look at this too. You know, it, it was kind of like, in a way, you know, he, he missed all these guys. Remember, he had been fighting at 108 pounds. He skipped 112, didn't fight any of these guys at 115. It would be a nice closure to, to you know, have seen him fight, you know, Chocolatito or Estrada. I don't really want to see it Chocolatito now. But, you know, Estrada maybe coming off this win. To me, he's, he's near the end, too. You know, he's, what, 32 at 115 pounds. Look, I'm not saying, in a way, wouldn't knock these guys out at this point, and you don't want to see him get hurt. But, again, this is where boxing gets a little off to me. Remember, in a way, he's going to fight Paul Butler coming up. I mean, that's a massacre. You know, I don't, I don't need to see, in a way, Paul Butler. I don't want to see fights like that. You know, Paul Butler fighting him means nothing to me just because the the WBO ridiculously gives him some alphabet belt when we all know, in a way, he's the champion. 
And and that was you know a WBO interim thing elevation. I mean this is you know this is a, a time waster. So I'm just you know if not that maybe Estrada now you know even though Bam Rodriguez is supposed to take some flyweight fights. I mean you know Hearn obviously has a you know a hold on these guys where he could do something if they if they all all parties wanted to do it. You know, maybe that. I'm not saying Estrada's. I don't think he beats Bam Rodriguez. I don't think he beats in a way. But you know, to me, it's like it's time. So if if he wants to have one big fight before the end, um, maybe it it could be something like that. Even though it's probably not going to go well for him. I mean, for Chocolatito, sure. I would say at this point, um, you know, again with the pressure style, it's even worse for him to be in with an in a way now at this point or something like that. I, it, it seems like it's probably time to call it a day. Uh, you know, I, this wouldn't be a bad way to go out. You know, of course, he was very competitive. He had an inspiring rally. But, you know, he's 35 years old at 115 pounds. You know, in a way, he's the, the number one guy, the champ at bantamweight 118. So that's not, not too good of an option. So just to fight guys at 115 other guys, like, you know, let's say it wasn't Estrada. Um, Again, you probably don't need to see him in with with Bam Rodriguez at this point, um, right? You know, he, I'm not saying he won't. And that's go why on, I was kind of lending but, to. That's kind of why I was like, well, if that happens again, I'm not gonna uh, take my ball and go home. You know what I mean? But I but I know right. what you mean. We don't. It, it doesn't need to be seen again. But I guess I'd rather have that than him in there with fresh blood. Right, and that's the one good thing about older fighters sometimes fighting each other, um, and that that to be that to me personally with all these weight classes, I feel like we don't need you know these two guys fighting again at one fifteen. Really, that was that because I said it before this fight, you get pushed back, but I I think people frankly are wrong in their analysis, and and if you really like like you said, you watch boxing long enough, like we have, you can see these things. I mean, you know, I, I think because his brother's at 115 and, and, you know, he was supposed to fight Estrada and they want to give him a chance at the spotlight. I really do think it's that. In other words, I don't think it's an excuse at all. I mean, to me, you know, I think Robert Garcia and Bam Rodriguez both perfectly understand that he's capable of taking Estrada and or Chocolatito at this point. I think he'd, I think he'd take both of them out. Um you know, I thought that before this fight. I've said it on here. You know, I still think it. Um, even if he's going down to 112, I, I think that's ridiculous. I think that has to do with any kind of fear or anything. Because, and, and look, you know, when you look at common opponents, you know, people say, oh, you can't use these triangle theories and stuff. Well, sure, it doesn't. It's not an absolute. You never use it as an absolute. But you're a fool if you don't look at common opponents. And what I'm what I'm bringing up is, Look! Look at what Bam Rodriguez did just did to Sor Rungvisai, you know, compared to how Sor Re, Re, Rungvisai yeah, exactly. performed against Chocolatito and uh, Estrada. You know, I, I mean, he's got wins over both. I'm sure it was a few years ago, but again, okay, it was a few years ago. But that that's part of the point is that you know these guys would be taking on a, a bit what a 22 year old Bam Rodriguez. I mean, you know, this is right. the lighter weight divisions this is really a young man's game and i i just think some people who you know probably knew who became familiar with chocolatito and, and a couple of these other lower weight fighters where they've been seen recently where you know you didn't get 
anything used to used to a long time 50 years ago you know they didn't show much below featherweight and then you know started showing some of the bantam weights in the early 80s like chandler and pintor and those guys which you know was good and some great fights but you know you never got really sub bantam weight where it got shown a lot you know you had a uh, carbajal and uh, chiquita gonzalez in the early 90s that was great when they they exposed them and, and there were some really entertaining fights and you know carbajal got exposure that was a lot of fun Paul Gonzalez got a, got a bit, you know, he was a flyweight Olympian, but you know, you don't see it that much. So I'm just saying, I, I don't, I think that there's, I do think that there's some fans that just don't have a concept of when you're at these low weights. I mean, I mean, that's a speed and reflexes game, you know, a volume. I mean, you know, Chocolatito is, he could only hang on this far as great as he was. And, you know, Estrada is also showing his abilities, but when you start, getting a guy on the scene who's as young as a Bam Rodriguez in these divisions and looks good, you know, when you're going to fight a guy like that at these kind of weights, that's a, that's a different animal. You know, we're not talking about a, an older heavyweight, maybe fighting a young heavyweight and getting by. We're, we're talking about, you know, these are, these are 115 pound guys. It's a, it's a different ball game. So I think these guys are near the end, if not at the end, and they're going to have to be careful at who they take on at this stage. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, if, if they wanted to both get another payday, you know, they, they could do it again, but I don't think it's going to go yeah. any better for Chocolatito because, uh, you know, he is a pressure guy and, and even as great as he has been, you know, how, how long, how long can you, can, can you keep doing it for? So, um, you know, that, that's, that's basically my take on that fight. And then just on, since you're saying about that card, didn't get into it yet, you know, Martinez and that Carmona fight, he won it, didn't look good. I'd already, you know, picked Estrada at that point. But again, with common opponents, you, you do have to take a look at things. And, you know, Chocolatito did look good in that fight against Martinez, but Martinez, you know, was on short notice, was heavy shortly before the sure. fight. And, and, looking at, and looking at him in that Carmona fight, you know, the, the, the fight preceding this uh, Chocolatito-Estrada 3, you could see Mark to me, even though he, he won it. I mean, Martinez didn't look very good. Uh, so, so, and, and he was in shape for this one. So I, I was kind of thinking like, yeah, you know, th- this is the guy that Chocolatito looked good against, but you know, he, he's in shape for this one. He doesn't really look too good. Um, it, you know, so you, you kind of things, but you know, Estrada didn't look that great in his last fight either. True. Very true. But, and, but but that um, would be my take on the Saturday night the Saturday night part of the card and of course we had we can get into uh, we had Fury Fury in the heavyweights uh, in the afternoon. Yeah, and the way uh, Carmona like or Carmona like the second half of that fight was just like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like all you're doing is moving. Like you're not gonna win this fight like that. It's just not gonna happen. No, that was you bad. Are not I mean bad. that that was bad. I mean that was bad. I mean the guy that was, was on a bicycle. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that a was 10 speed exactly. that with was like running. extra gear. That's like an 18 speed. That that might be a moped. Exactly. When right, there's no place for straight out running. Exactly. I mean, you know, there's yeah. a place for true boxing, but yeah, he, I, I especially how he started. He, he, he was moving but yeah, landing. Start, you know what I mean? It was like, dude, you're doing. You can do this almost whole fight. But I think once he got clipped pretty good, it kind of was like, whoa, wait a second. Exactly, and that's what happens to some of these guys. You know, it doesn't happen. 
that much, but it, but we see it happen, and and it, it it's annoying as a boxing fan watching it. And I, I thought it did happen in that fight. I mean, second half of that fight, Carmona just started running. I thought Martinez yeah. clearly won it, but he he didn't he didn't look good. I mean, really. Yeah. And, and you know, I was a little curious going into that one just because. Okay, I thought he he made one twelve. You know, he, he's got to be for him in decent shape for this one. He was real heavy before that Gonzalez fight and short notice, but he, he was swinging wild and, and uh, mm-hmm. just, just didn't, oh, yeah. just really didn't, just lunging. really didn't look good. Yeah. It was lunging yeah, just, and just lunging at him. Yeah. That was, that was really, that was kind of funky. Let's talk about the Daniel Dubois or Dubois um, fight here. Obviously came off the mat from those three knockdowns, ended up winning, um, via TKO right at the end of the round. And we'll get into that a little bit. The first one was kind of like a, a left hand. I think it was like a left counter on the top of the head that dropped him. And you could see his legs were in trouble right there. Um, second one, it's like he took a shot and then he just took a knee and he almost like took a seat. I don't I wouldn't really call that a <laughs> knee. He was on both knees, you know, he's like almost like praying. Um, and, but it, his legs were locked, and then he squatted down again, and it was like, this dude needs time here badly because he, he's hurt. He's really hurt, and then started to kind of uh, get it together a little bit in the second round, and by the end of it, he finally did actually land some punches. Then I think it was a right hand in that third round was the first knockdown, then an uppercut left hook. The uppercut really didn't – I think it was the uppercut that hit him, and then the left hook kind of, you know – made his head snap back after that, upper call, or, uh, after that uppercut, and he went into the rope, so it should have been a knockdown. But as you see, the guy jumped right back up. I mean, he, he definitely jumped right back up. So it was a little funky that way where it's like, well, hold on. Um, and, and by the way, Adam has a good uh, article on this, like most of his articles. But sure, the guy was probably going to be in trouble. You know, but let's not act like, you know, the guy who was the A-side wasn't in trouble in that first round because he was. Whenever you squat down twice, that means you're really hurt. And so I did think it was pretty unfair of the ref to call it there. Like I said, could you have let it go into the next round? Maybe his corner sees him walking to the, to the you know, corner and, and does something. But the point is, once he's up, don't just call it, you know. Look at him, do the little walk, uh, walk over here. Are you okay? At least give it a little time because it did feel like, okay, we're out of here. We're good. Let's just, let's just call this quits because that's the second knockdown. And like I said, he did get rocked. That uppercut was a, uppercut was a nice uh, punch, but he would have got a minute to recoup. You never know what would have happened. Like I said, even when he was walking to his corner with the ref, his, leg did, his legs look a little tightened up. He looked hurt, but... If you're going to allow Dubois to take a squat two times and you could see his legs are screwed, you were so patient with Daniel Dubois, but then when it came to old boy, it was like, ah, forget it, don't worry about it. So to me, that was a little funky, and then we can get on uh, to the, uh, the Fury, the main event, and then, you know, what's next as well. Yeah, I mean, Adam did make a good point that, you know, the, as you know, when you're watching that, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say that even refereeing. I mean, 
if if what didn't happen before and and you were just looking at Lorena in that trouble, you know, you 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 probably wouldn't objected, but Dubois was lucky that that fight didn't get stopped when he just kept going down like that. Um, a lot of referees would have stopped it there. <laughs> and and so that didn't get stopped. And then, you know, Lorena gets in trouble and it's immediately stopped. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think the result was going to change myself, but you know, there, there's a, there's a fair point there about, is this, you know, refereeing, that's being administered the same to both sides. Probably a good argument like Adam made right. that it's not. Um, but, you know, looking at the fight, uh, even though it was only for just moments because Dubois got in trouble so early, you know, I, I think it kind of, though, to me, it did fit kind of with what's hap- what happened. Like, you know, Dubois, we got this guy who, you know, one thing that has been impressed, I, I always thought, even though he's a younger guy, he's not that quick. You know, um, but the strength and power has been real with him from the beginning. I mean, I've always taken that seriously and and still have, you know, going into this fight and, of course, afterward. But but here's the part that was interesting to me in those moments, even before he got hurt, was you saw him, like, backing off boxing. And, and I was, even though it's the first round, I was thinking, like, you know, Lorena was is a former cruiserweight, and, I, and, I'm, and Dubois' whole game is his power. I'm like... Why is Dubois backing off? Why is he backing away from this man? You know, he should be pumping pumping the jab at him, getting his power shots right after him, showing him who's boss. And, you know, it, it told me – because, look, you're, you're not going to make – you know, it, it's com- it seems common sense after this fight. I mean, I thought in that first moment, you know, like you're, you're not – you know, Dubois is not – I don't care if he's young. He, he's not going anywhere – in the heavyweight division as a boxer. Okay. You know, as a moving cautious, picking his spots, boxer, you sure you don't want to take a lot of punishment and stuff, but some guys just have certain abilities and talents and strengths in some areas and they don't in others. Let's face it. That's just a fact. And I think that's, you know, in part, you know, why he allowed Lorraine an opportunity to, to drop him like that because he's backing off. He, he's letting the smaller guy back yeah, him up, point. which he couldn't be. And then the guy, and then the guy throws an overhand bomb and, and you know, Dubois didn't take it well. Um, you know, yeah, sure. Against Joyce, he ended up taking a knee and he had the eye, but you know, the, the guy's, the guy's punch resistance just, you know, I, I think we can, of course, fairly say it after this one. I mean, it is heavyweight, but the guy's punch resistance just, just doesn't look good. Uh, and the way he reacts, I mean, of course, we can say that after this performance and the fight against Joyce. Um, so I, I think that's, pro- I'm going to take a, an educated guess that, that that's the way that his corner didn't have that much faith in his punch resistance either. So they're thinking, well, you know, he's going to box and be careful and protect his chin. But again, you know, with some guys, you can't do it. He doesn't have that skill set. So the one thing that was, in, you know, this fight, the fight was very entertaining, of course, and dramatic. So it was an exciting fight. This is what we love about the heavyweights. But in terms of Dubois himself, uh, you know, a lot of people want to spin it as, Oh well, he respond. You know, they like to do the he responded from an adversity thing when you get in trouble with, you know, with a guy that you shouldn't. And of course, there's been some great fighters that that's happened to once in a while, but that's used too much. I mean, when I'm evaluating guys that are in the earlier stages of their 
their career. And I, and I see, and you know, Chris, you've watched a lot of boxing. I've watched a lot of boxing. When I, when I see him getting into trouble with a lot of guys and especially against guys, they shouldn't be. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it as a flaw. I don't care if they come back to win because then I'm saying when they're in with somebody better, they're going to get finished. And, you know, that's where I like to pull that example because I said it at the time. And, you know, even though, of course, he's had good wins. But, you know, when Anthony Joshua got dropped by a 41-year-old Klitschko who looked like a zombie against Fury and hadn't fought for 17 months and had been coming off injuries, that to me wasn't, oh, Joshua's come back. You know, that's going to be a plus for the future. And then, you know, look what happened to him in the first Ruiz fight. Um not that you're not going to pick up losses or everything, but I don't think that's the take from this fight. You know, of course, Dubois was in very serious trouble, was lucky he didn't get stopped, and he came back with a big KO. But to me, what I took from it was Dubois, and you saw when he took Lorena out, he started backing him up. You know, he started, you know, getting the jab, backing him up, throwing power shots because he was desperate. And then he looked good. I mean, then he looked good. So, Going forward, I think Dubois can still be a problem if he's willing to be aggressive and, and, you know, use his strengths, his power, back people up. He's going to take a lot of people out still, I think, but he's always going to be vulnerable. And what I'm saying, though, my take is the answer is not going to be boxing or it's not going to be that, you know, oh, Dubois always gets up. He may get up sometimes because he's got power to come back, but this is this is a guy that, that doesn't look like he takes shots very well and respond well and his his best uh he's still young his best game moving forward and he's going to be entertaining doing it so he's got a chance to sell is just going to be come forward with that power you're not a boxer uh, use the size and strength and just try to get people out of there and you know he, he's going to get taken out himself at times as well um right you know, he was lucky to he was lucky to come away with this win um, but he got into his game. I think that was the difference is, you know, he got into his game and then as soon as he did, it was over. But I, I think he could have done that from the, literally the opening bell. And, uh, the lesson to me in terms of technique is, you know, Dubois, you're not a boxer. Don't be backing off on people. You're going to get taken out. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, very exciting fight though. And, uh, you know, that, that ended up being a good one on the card, uh, obviously turned out to be competitive, um, and, you know, I think Lorena, you know, having Dubois in that kind of trouble, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to get some other fights. You know, heavyweight's where the money is, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, get, he'll get some other decent fights out of this. Yeah, you're right, definitely. Um, and now on to the main event that, you know, it's a trilogy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, we, we, it is what it is. I mean, I guess I was impressed that in the cold weather – or at least what they call cold weather um, is, you know, that they were able to draw a crowd and all that. It is what it is. He did get a training camp in Tyson Fury and he did get a fight now and got some rounds. So, you know, it is better than waiting, you know, till next spring um, and and being almost a year out of the ring. So it is what it is, but uh, you know, one sided fight beyond, you know, a couple of overhand rights, uh, here and there and some body work by Jasora, but it was pretty much what we thought it would be, but maybe even worse. I mean, 205 to 87 as far as the punch stats. Um, you know, not much to take home from it beyond Fury didn't get cut 
Uh, he said he had a little elbow issue and a hand issue, but he, he says he's going to be ready for the Usyk fight. So, so let's hope that's next because this undisputed thing, it just needs to happen, you know, and then the belts can break up again and, and let other good fights happen or whatever because sometimes it does take a belt for two fighters to match up instead of taking a risk when the other person's like or the other, you know, boxer's like, hey, I'm the number one ranked guy. I'm not going to take that fight because I can just wait for this or get a shot at the belt if they let it go. Let's hope that we get the undisputed next. Um, but what was your thoughts in general? Like I said, not much to uh, report, but I guess it was impressive that they drew, you know, 50,000, 60,000 people in the cold. Yeah, decent, decent crowd. Um, you know, it's a shame in the UK it was pay-per-view. A joke is pay-per-view. But, you know, I've, I've come to I've, I've been saying it's more recent. I didn't like the way it started out. And, you know, I thought PBC laid the groundwork, but I like to get into this out of, out of the ring stuff, too, because I think it matters for the overall health of the sport uh, for the, the sport really to continue viably and, and what's going on and if, if what level of popularity it's going to have. I mean, you know, regular ESPN would be better, better or ESPN two or even ESPN news in addition to the plus, but at least in the U S it's, it's just on ESPN plus in the afternoon. We're not paying anything extra for it. If you got ESPN plus, that's pretty good. Dubois fight was entertaining. You know, Fury was in shape for this fight, too, um, which, you know, considering how little of a threat it was and some of his weights in the past, kind of surprising. Um, like you said, you know, it's, it's good that he's fighting. I mean, to me, he, he is the champ. I mean, like I said, and, and I, I voiced that again this week, and there are some others with me, but there's a debate. But, you know, I, I just think Fury, the retirement wasn't real. He's the lineal champ. Transnational should have kept him as the champ. Ring should have kept him as the champ. I think he's still the champ. You know, I know the WBC says it, but myself, I don't care about alphabets, but this is a rare instance where probably the only instance I could think of about where, where they're actually right on this one. Um, you know, so the champ was fighting good crowd ESPN plus in the U S that's pretty good. Cause it was just, just, especially just Jasora. you know, you don't, you don't want to have a situation like we're the Dillian white where that was even pay-per-view in the U S. So, you know, ESPN, I think in conjunction with top rank with what they've been doing in the last year or two, I mean, I think they're on the right track. Uh, so at least you had that. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it went over big in the U S or something, but at least it was out there. Uh, you know, on an ESPN platform, total mismatch. Um, you know, we, we we get into this the debate a lot, and you see everybody getting into it. And since, I think since it comes up a lot, it's it's worth mentioning. I mean, people, you know, talk about the corner, you know, having the obligation to stop the fight. And I, and I'm not saying in one like this you wouldn't have liked to seen him stop it. I would have, but you know, it's still the referee's job to stop the fight. And on this one, I'm going to say, you know, this was such a beating, such a thrashing that was expected. Yeah, they're having the fight, and I I didn't want to see this fight, um, but but you know they're having it. But you know, Chisora, thirty eight, going to be thirty nine in a week. Already lost to the guy twice. Total mismatch. Total size and skill mismatch. Fury really has gotten better. However, he's done it. I mean, I am in that camp. You don't see it that often, but the guy's gotten better. Chisora's mostly just losing fights. I thought. He was lucky to get that decision against Pulev, which looked like a tough man contest. I mean, the first half of the fight was just dreadful. The second half was entertaining, but just in a in a perverse way where 
it, you know, it really did. It looked like a tough man final, um, not in a good way. Just, just you know, crazy bombs being thrown with poor technique and, you know, no no defense and guy, you know, him and Polev floundering around. So, I mean, that's what Chisora went into this fight on, you know, fighting the best heavyweight in the world who's 6'9", you know, 265 plus, uh, you know, depending on what fight and what Fury wants to come in on nowadays. Um, and, and, you know, Fury, I liked how he was, you know, it's just Chisora, but, it, you know, you do see Fury doing good things in the ring. I mean, you know, you, you saw him, he, he was sure. throwing that quick, like half, that quick, like half hook uppercut every time Chisora was coming in and it was quick. And, you know, Fury's a big man. We know he's fast, but, and he was nailing him with it every time. And then he would throw shots. He, he, he'd about have him out of there and he'd let up or Chisora would grab. And it got to the main, to the point where, you know, you were getting around. I, I, I didn't make notes like you always do, Chris, but I was thinking for myself around, fifth, sixth round, or I was like, I, I've seen enough of this. Like, I didn't want this anyway, but I really, uh, even just as a, a fan and a longtime fan and commentator, I was uncomfortable with just seeing Chisora, a 38-year-old guy, you know, going on 39. You know, we know it's boxing. You want to be a, a warrior and all these kind of things, but but it was just senseless. I, I became uncomfortable with it, and I thought, you know, why is this guy in there taking this beating? I, I did think it was just a bad look for boxing. Um, so I was just saying, come on, you know, referee, you know, some, somebody stopped this thing. I mean, corner referee, but I, I thought the referee could have come in. I thought the 10th was really too late. This was such a mismatch, even though you would have trouble maybe saying, pick a moment. I, I just thought it was such a mismatch in this one. And Chisora was taking such a beating and you saw his face swelling up. I saw no need for this to go into the 10th. I felt like this stoppage was too late. I, I just felt like this should have been stopped earlier by the referee. Uh, the corner could have done something. Uh, it was so bad. But, I, but you know, it's the referee's job to stop a fight. And, and that, that goes to, like, what, you, you know, Adam Abramowitz was talking about. You know, you really do. I mean, it's not that things are perfect in the U.S., but this was the same card, you know, in the U.K. I mean, and you look at, you know, the, the, re, the referee actions during Dubois-Lorena, and then you look at it during Chisora Fury. In other words, like, why why was Chisora taking this you know taking this beating? I mean, just that nobody knew any you know everybody knew nothing was going to change. I, I mean, to me, Chris, at the end of that fight, the last I'd say three four rounds, and I really believed it. I mean, this is how bad it was to me. And remember, Fury's six nine. I mean, you know, Chisora is what six one. I mean, it looked to and Chisora's thirty-eight going on thirty-nine. It looked to me in the later rounds of that and fight, and he's taken so like much Fury, punishment in the last five years too. I mean, this guy's been in a exactly. lot of fights, right? A lot of wars. It looked to me like, and I'm not even exaggerating. Like it looked to me during like the last three rounds of that fight that if if Fury just stood there with his hands down, that Chisora was in such bad shape and the balance and everything and. And, you know, he's not as big a puncher as people make out. You look, because he's got all those losses. You really look at what his KO percentage is for a heavyweight, for how many fights he had. He's not that big of a puncher. And uh, it, it looked to me like Chisora could have just wound up with a right hand and, and he couldn't have hurt Fury if Fury would have just stood there with his hand down. I mean, and that's what I was like, what are we doing here? You know, this is just, 
there's there's no path to victory for Chisora. Nothing. Not landing a bomb. Not anything. You know, it's it's like a sac a human sacrifice or something. The guy's just standing there getting beat up by a guy that's six nine, two sixty nine, and it, it just was senseless. So that's the problem when you make a fight like that. You know, and and that's the thing with a guy a come-forward guy, Chisora, who's 38, going on 39, like you said, Chris, been in a lot of wars in recent years. I mean, that's that's not really a, a feel-good getting a guy a payday kind of thing at that point, taking that kind of beating. Now, And that's where you have torn emotions, too, because you don't want to see, for the integrity of sport, like, you know, you don't want to see Chisora just come in there, get grazed on the top of the head and lay down. You know, even though he's going to take less of a beating because we're we're trying to have a sport here, but I'm not comfortable seeing him stand there for ten rounds getting beat up at age 38, going on 39, by a six nine two sixty nine Tyson Fury. So the answer there really is this fight shouldn't have been made. I mean, it just shouldn't shouldn't have happened. So I would have liked to see Fury fight this December, but it should have been somebody else. I mean, this this just this never was a good idea. And it proved to not be a good idea on Saturday. Yeah, and all he was was just uh, a name to put in front of the UK crowd that they knew, and, and that caused right. some good trash or whatever. But you know, how exactly. much? Do you think like, you know, uh, twenty thousand people would have less twenty? You know, would the crowd only been forty forty thousand if it wasn't sore? Probably not. You know what I mean? Clearly, Tyson Fury's exactly. the guy. So. I don't think it would have made, you know, you could, you know, we're not putting up the money for this stuff. So sure. You know, you, you could say that they could price the tickets a little higher or whatever. I mean, the, the prices for the tickets to the stadium are always a little, you know, lighter anyway, but yeah, I get the B side thing, especially in the cold, you know, outdoors, but yeah, you're right. In the end, it probably shouldn't, um, it shouldn't happen in, in, We've seen worse, no doubt, but that doesn't mean, well, forget it. Who cares? Let's not even mention it. You know, you might as well still talk about it, still mention it. And, uh, you know, he talked, Fury talked about, you know, last year, I think it was his left elbow that he got surgery on after the fight with the, after the third fight with Wilder. And then he said the other elbow was kind of giving him a little issue in his hand, but he did make it sound like he'll be ready for, for, for late February, sometime in March. I know there's a cutoff because of Ramadan over there. So they do have to get it in before like March, probably the weekend, probably mid-March. I think it's March 21st is when, is when that kicks in over there. So they do, you know, it, it's not a crazy turnaround, but um, he's got to basically take the rest of this month off probably and just, and just let's see, the 21st, so that. So yeah, the 18th, 11th, 4th. So they have time to do it. Or maybe it would be a little after that, but you know, I really hope that this happens. And guess what? If if one of these belts, you know, we hear the IBF, we hear the WBA, whatever, whatever, whatever belt that comes up here, let's just hope. And I think it's technically the WBA and Dubois, if I remember correctly. But either way, if something comes up with the belt, drop one and just make this fight. Like I don't think they'll have yeah. to drop it anyway, but if they ha- if they force them to, oh well. And by the way, I say that about uh, the, the the potential Spence Crawford fight next year. If clearly all these things are getting arranged, and you know if 
we assume Boots Ennis is going to win his next fight. He's going to be a mandatory. Whoever wins, if in fact Stanonius and, and Ortiz fight, they're going to be a, a pretty stern mandatory, and especially on that side because they've been taken step aside. So if he's got to drop a belt to go for the lineal, who really cares? Because, you know, this isn't the lineal as we know. And, and I understand Tyson Fury had something to do with, hey, here, you can have it back. But this, let's just get the lineal on and let's get him in the ring. Uh, as soon as possible. Right. And, and, you know, that's that, with that's, respect to yeah. Fury taking some time off, but he, he should have enough time. Right. Let's just get it done so we can get these other fights made, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's always my philosophy, Chris, and I'll just say it, because you, you have to. I mean, because it gets silly. If if a Fury were to fight Usyk, let's just make up a month, say, in April or something like that, or May, and Alphabet starts stripping people, and you think that Fury-Usyk isn't for the champ, heavyweight championship of the world, or that detracts from you. I mean, you got to be a moron. I mean, the same for Spence and Crawford. You know, it, if if the WBO belt goes away or the IBF belt goes away, and Spence is fighting Crawford, and you don't think that's for the welterweight championship of the world, I mean, to me, you got to be an idiot. I mean, you know, I mean, who cares? How is that going to detract from your enjoyment? I mean, what the alphabets say doesn't mean anything. So, um, right, we need these fights to just happen. Now, you know, hopefully the Fury Usyk will happen. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, just because, again, atmosphere, boxing tradition, I don't mean you don't want new markets. And there are political concerns, too, that are legitimate. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, maybe it's not going to, wouldn't be in Saudi Arabia, you know, be somewhere else somewhere else in the Middle East, but you know, I, I'm not crazy about Fury Usyk, you know, having a, and I know it's about sight fees, it's just like why Vegas, right. you know, always had gotten a lot of fights, so I, I get that part of it, I mean, that's just you, you, know, you know you've had Hearn do it and in, in this case, it would be you know, really would be Warren and Top Rank, you know, doing it, yep. and, and you know Fury may, you know well, you know, as far as the it's not talked about enough. I mean, it, it seems to be legit. I mean, you know, Fury's got U.S. travel restrictions, so that's dictating some of this too. Um, I want to see that fight like everybody else. You know, I, I mean, to me, Fury is the champ, but but Usyk's earned the shot. I mean, I look at it the old way. I mean, Usyk's clearly the number one guy. You know, he's earned the shot. He's undefeated. Nobody's beaten him yet. So you know, yeah, let, let's get that on. I, I wish it would be. I wish it would be in the UK or the US, you know, I, I'd like to, I'd like to see that, but you know, uh, I, I want to see the fight happen like everybody else. I mean, and you know, I like how Fury's throwing Joyce's name out there because we know Warren can, and top rank can make that. Right. Fight. I mean, makeable and fight. Joyce is a, Joyce is an intriguing, you know, he brings that unique package and he's getting older, you know, cause he got a late start, you know, it would be it actually would be good to see Juggernaut get that shot before he gets too old just because he's got that I'm not saying I want to see him fight Fury instead of Usyk, but that to me it's just Joyce has that interesting package to see him get that shot before he gets old would be intriguing to me. I mean maybe it doesn't work out for him, but but what if that package provides riddles for Fury that he hasn't seen before? I mean that that could be an intriguing fight. So I'm all in on that too. And I think you and I have said it. We were saying it early on, Chris, and I agree 
the way you look at it. And, and I'm looking at it now more than ever because I'm even sensing that there's more interest in it than a lot of people want to admit to. Look, Wilder to me is one win away from, you know, people are going to want to see Fury Wilder 4. I mean, you know, the third fight was fight of the year. The first fight had a ton of drama. Um, you know, people are always going to be talking about those fights. Yes, Fury dominated the second fight. I'm not saying Wilder's necessarily going to beat him, but Wilder got his weight back down. I know it was hilarious, but I do agree. I think it's going to take one more decent win for Wilder to really get enough people on board. But I just sense there's interest in it. So I'm not saying it should be next. I don't feel that just like others don't. Like instead of Usyk, you know, let's have the Fury Usyk first. And, you know, the Joyce would be very intriguing. I'd love to see that. Um, but, you know, if Fury gets by one or both of those fights and Wilder's picked up a good win, you know, maybe it would if, if he beats somebody like Ruiz. Hey, it's, it's a viable fight. I think it sells. Um, and I think people would want to see it. I mean, you know, I think people in the U.K. and the U.S., no matter what some might say, they're going to watch that fight. And it probably even sells on pay-per-view. We know, you know, Sequels of fights don't sell quite as well, but for the market we're at nowadays, probably does okay. I don't think we're talking about that next or anything, but it does seem like it's, it might be inevitable. And, and I did even get a laugh myself. You know, Fury is a good entertainer when he said he, he knows his stuff like that. He's been in the U.S. enough now. He says, you know, let's, let's finish it out with Wilder at Allegiant Sta- Stadium in Vegas. I mean, right. that could you know, if, if his if his restrictions are gone and he's had a fight against Usyk that he won or Joyce and won, I mean, hey, you know what? It, it might Wilder one more win, it, it might work. I mean, of course, Wilder's getting up there now, but you know, he, he he proved he's still willing by getting that weight down. We know you can't fake that, so um, you know, maybe maybe one more time. But let's, I, I'm like everybody else. Let's you know get the Usyk fight next would be ideal, and and Joyce would be very intriguing before Juice, Joyce gets old, and maybe Wilder picks up one more solid win, and then then that comes in there for maybe both guys to to near the end with or something like that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Anything else from the weekend that you'd like to talk about before we get into Teofimo Lopez and? Sandor Martin and uh, I think a sleeper uh, fight, Josh Warrington and Luis Alberto Lopez. He's been on a nice little hot streak. And of course, Terrence Crawford returns. Anything from the weekend you, you, you didn't uh, or you want to talk about? We got, we hit what I wanted to, Chris, just one final note. Cause I did see it. Um, and at least there was some stuff to watch on that uh, Fury disorder card. Cause the Dubois Lorena ended up being a surprising explosion. You know, you had uh Berenchik, a legitimate prospect. He's had some stalled out. He's 34 now. Uh, fought Mende, a veteran who was a legit top 10 guy. Not ha- Hasn't been, but was. You know, he's up there in years now. And, and you know, he, he made it competitive. But just saying that, you know, Berenchek had a, you know, real great amateur career fighting for the Ukraine and stuff. But I'm getting to it. He, he didn't look that good. Um, so, you know, for me, he's undefeated. But I, I don't think he looked that good. Um, really, you know, didn't get in Mendy into any serious trouble or anything. You know, that that should have been a showcase type spot for him. And uh, I found the the performance. You know, he clearly won the fight, but I found that uh, performance to be disappointing. So I, I thought that was kind of a uh, for Dennis Berenchik, uh a big opportunity there in terms of exposure. 
uh, you know, of course he's, you know, on a big live stadium in the UK. He's been on ESPN plus in the U S I, I, I didn't think it was a good showing. I thought kind of a missed opportunity for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I definitely think that's fair. Um, so Tia Fima Lopez returns. It was supposed to be, uh, Jose Pedraza. Um, he got sick with a non-COVID illness. In comes Sandor Martin, who, as we know, um, you know, put up that really good performance uh, against Mikey Garcia um, a little while back, I guess you could say, you know, as far as right now, retired him. Um, so, I don't know. Um, he looked he looked pretty good in his last fight as well against uh, – I think it was Felix or something like that. Um, skilled fighter, southpaw. Um, you know, Mikey, I don't know. Mikey's, I don't know. I don't want to take too much away from the, the you know, the fight. He had been out of the ring for like, I don't know, like 16 or 18 months or whatever. Didn't necessarily look all that great in that Jesse Vargas fight before it, actually, even though he won. Um but, hey, he came up and got a – I think it was a majority decision, if I remember correctly. But what do you think of the chances here that uh, he can keep this good vibes going and maybe the Southpaw gives him a little little issue? Um, and and Teofima Lopez didn't look phenomenal his last fi- fight out, but I, I think we talked about this. I don't think he looked as bad as some folks were saying either because there was some times – with Tia, I think Tia Fimo, people remember the knockouts and the one-punch stuff, but they don't remember some, you know, like okay performances, some good to very good, but subpar if you think he's an elite fighter or something like that. So he had a couple of those, too, on the way up. Um, but what do you think here? I mean, I actually don't know if Martin was already training for a fight. I can't remember that off the top of my head, but do you think this could be a tricky fight for a while? Or you think Tiafimo, um, his second, you know, fight at the weight class, he's going to uh, do his thing and then set up a possible Josh Taylor fight next year? I, I think I think if Tiafimo's in shape, uh, no problem making the weight. Um, I, I think this is going to be a good showcase for him on a primetime U.S. appearance. Um, Martin, I thought you know he legitimately got the win against Mikey Garcia, but. You know, watching that fight, I, I really do think it was like a kind of deal where, you know, I, I think Martin, Mikey Garcia think, thought this guy is not really doing anything to me. Um, he's kind of doesn't really want to engage. You know, of course, that was a style Martin was going with. But um, I, I do think Mikey really thought it. Like, like in other words, I, I don't think Mikey really thought he lost the fight. I mean, I don't think that's why there was urgency. I I just think he was kind of plodding forward and thinking this guy's not doing anything. And, and, you know, you didn't get him out of there and didn't really come close to getting him out of there, which we expected going in that he would, uh, most people. Uh, but, but I don't, I don't, you know, I just thought Martin, you know, it was a very defensive fight. Um, you know, I could see him getting the decision, but I thought people got a little carried away with the performance. You know, I mean, Mikey Garcia started out as a featherweight and, you know, he, he'd beaten Jesse Vargas, and, you know, he went the distance with Errol Spence. I mean, you know, he'd been fighting at, at higher weights, um, beat Lipinets and dropped them. Um, so, you know, 
that's a credit to Martine. I mean, you know, it was good defensively that Martine didn't get hurt or knocked out in the fight. But I, I just I didn't think it was really that spectacular of a performance. It was very defensive. So why I say that is not that you don't need a defense, but I mean, I, I just think a prime Tiafimo Lopez with his speed and power combination that he brings to the table. Uh, I, I just don't think that Martin has enough in his arsenal or even enough defensively to go the distance with him as long as Ortiz is in shape and, uh, you know, mentally and physically got everything together. Because, you know, one thing about the Cambosos fight is even though it, he fairly lost that and he got dropped early, but he did come on strong. He almost had Cambosos out in the later rounds. He dropped him. So I kind of look at the second half of that fight as like, you know, Tiafima did get it together in that fight. The loss was fair. He did lose that fight. And he got dropped. You know, it was a, it was a clear loss. But he came on very strong, almost pulled it out that – you know, I think we have enough evidence that when he's got his game together, um, you know, he he still uh, he, he still can get people out of there and, and put hurt on him. I mean, you know, as much as Haney was dominant against um, Cambosos, especially in the second fight, he didn't he didn't take out Cambosos or drop him. So, um, just saying, you know, Tiafimo's got that power and he's got the speed. You know, he, he has enough speed to deal with somebody like Lomachenko and boxing skill. He's, you know, he has the amateur pedigree. So, and he's still very young. You know, again, you know my philosophy, the five-pound move from 135 to 140 doesn't mean anything. Um, so, I, I think if he's primed and ready, I think this is a good showcase um, on the Heisman night, which uh, is a good lead-in, and that, that's obviously their plan that uh, he should be able to get a showcase knockout here and, and lead himself into some uh, other big fights. And, you know, and, you know, top ranks on the verge of, of making some of these fights. You know, they've got Haney, they've got Lomachenko, they've got Stevenson, they've got Lopez. You know, they're all around that area, even if the other guys are at lightweight, 135 pounds. Um, so, uh, you know, there there's some exciting potential things that top ranks on the verge of uh, – of doing here and and Lopez just needs to do his part on Saturday night in the showcase opportunity because you know we've talked about fighters like we just talked about Baranchek and it's not that it's you know this is a real big exposure opportunity you know U.S. prime time we're not getting that even like we were a couple of years ago uh, but Tiafimo's got one of these spots you know this is really where you got to you got to sh- show off you know you got to show what you got you got to make it happen I think he'll do that. I'd be disappointed uh, if he doesn't. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we're going to find out on Saturday. But I think he takes advantage of this showcase opportunity. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it'll be too much uh, for him. And, you know, we do kind of fall into that trap of, oh, my God, Mikey's losing. You know, like, what is going on? And sometimes you can kind of overdo the whole thing, and, and I think I've been guilty of that myself. So, yeah, that that does make sense. Um, Terrence Crawford, David Avenesian, um, you know, we, we know how this fight became uh, with the BLK Prime now on pay-per-view. You know, I did, um, because we didn't have a November and a um, December pay-per-view, uh, as far as the ones we thought we were going to have, the, the, the Crawford Spence and then maybe a Gervonta, 
I figured, okay, well, I'm going to go with the pro grade, uh, you know, Zapata, I, I, or Zapata. I, I went with that. I actually did purchase that, watched it with the friend, um, and, and was entertained off of it, whatever. I, I do have to say I am uh, holding off on this one. I, I'm not going to live stream it and steal it or nothing like that. Uh, I'll, I'll wait till it gets on the Internet once the fight's completely done, maybe the next day. Maybe the next day after that, maybe I'll watch, you know, if it's only highlights available, I'll watch highlights. I can't say that I'm uh, I'm going to buy this fight, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, Avanesian is, is not this horrible fighter people are talking about either. I think it's more of projecting that they're, you know, mad that the fight didn't happen, which, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Why wouldn't you be, uh, you know, pretty mad that it didn't happen? But then again, on the flip side, I do hear people saying, "Oh, you're you're being disrespectful, being respectful, disrespectful." And you know, if you look at, he's on a, you know, what is it, seven or eight knockout streak, and and he's an improved fighter. And it's like, well, you know, uh, over Josh Kelly, who was, you know, uh, I think he had a draw, but he was unbeaten, and then that Kermaine, uh the Jarga or whatever his name is. He had two fights with the, with him. My point is, it's like, I have seen him look pretty good lately and he's a tough dude, but I'm not going to sit there and base. Well, he's coming off six knockouts, but when you look at who he's knocking out, I'm not saying, you know, he, his last fight was an unbeaten guy and, and, and Josh Kelly is okay. He actually uh, won pretty easy over Williamson. I don't know. There's just when he when he stepped up and yes, that was like 2019 and like two years before that. But any you know, Mean Machine, Kabalaskis and Lamont Peterson handled them pretty well. And when your biggest wins are Josh Kelly and uh, you know a really old Shane Mosley and stuff like that, uh, Mabuza. I remember that fight actually. I'm looking at his box rec now. Um, I can give the the guy credit for coming off of two step up fights where he got beat cleanly and then knocked out. And then now he's made his way back. I think that's respectable. And if you want to put him as a, a, like a, that, you know, lower half contender in the top 10, some people have him as a fringe contender, 10 to 15, whatever. That's, that, that's fine. You can put him in the top 10, lower half. That's fine. But I'm not going to sit there and think that this is going to be a very competitive fight. I think it's style is just kind of made for him. Terrence Crawford, obviously. Um, but you never know. I mean, maybe Crawford um, wants to put on, you know, a whole uh, – he does have a track record of trying to put on a show and try to knock a guy out and get clipped in the process. Um, but I just – in the end, I think Crawford's just too talented, too smart in the ring, too, to fall for just getting into a brawl. Um, and I do see him stopping him TKO. How do you see this fight playing out? It's same. I, I think people are overvaluing Avanesian. You know, he comes to fight. You know, I think most legitimately have him now as like a bottom part of the top ten. At, you know, welterweight's the, the deepest division in boxing. Um, but for me personally, because of that, um, if if I was just doing the rankings myself, uh, you know he wouldn't crack the top 10. I mean, you know, which I don't get to do at transnational. I mean, you know, people felt he's in there. I, I just haven't. I mean, 
I think the improved fighter narrative has been out there. It's not that that can't happen. You know, I just talked about Fury getting better, but it, it's, it is rare. Um, you know, a lot of times it's said, and it's really just who they are fighting at the time. It's not that there was actual improvement. Um, you know, Avenue, right. yeah, I mean, I, I saw him fight, you know, you know, a 45-year-old Shane Mosley, like a, literally a 45-year-old Shane Mosley. I thought he really had to reach – he won it, but I thought he really had yeah. to reach deep to win it. I, I, he did you know, have the to way I scored deep. that. You're correct. Yeah, he had to deep. That fight was on the CBS Sports Network. Kind of funny. They they were dabbled, you know, where they were dabbled in some fights. Uh, which wouldn't be bad if they got back to maybe since, you know, it is a CBS product, but that's another subject. But, yeah, it was on there. And, and you know, I didn't think Avenesian did enough, but but he really had to reach down. And, you know, he, he barely got by Mosley. Um, and then, you know, right, he fights Lamont Peterson, who's not a puncher. And, you know, that went the distance. Peterson, you know, clearly beat him. And that was a Peterson really getting near the end. Um, you know, he's now retired. And then, you know, he gets taken out by Kavilovskis, Mean Machine, uh, who is a good puncher, but still, you know, put pretty took a lot of shots there. And, you know, big shots by Kavilovskis, clear, clear, clear stoppage there. Kavilovskis was really teeing off on him at the end. So, you know, they they were talking about, okay, you know, in the, in the European circuit, you know, at, at top European level, okay, so he beats Liriaga. But Liriaga, you know, really hasn't, you know, proven to be that good. Um, you know, he had, had the shiny record at the time, but, and then, you know, Josh Kelly had already had the draw with Robinson. Um, and, you know, I thought that was strange too, the way Kelly unraveled. I mean, he was, he was winning the fight up to that point and he, he did totally unravel, but, but um, I, it was just kind of a strange unraveling. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Avenesian was the other guy in there with him and he does come to fight, but, but, it was just kind of like Kelly unraveled. Um, you know, you don't want to take be taking everything away from Avenesian, but it's just, you know, this is the type of thing, you know, at, but I'd say unless Crawford gets old overnight or something, but, you know, Avenesian is that more, you know, he's not a young guy either for welterweight. Um, That's so, a good point. And he's got, yeah, and he's got more of a high contact style. So, like you said, Crawford's smart. He can box. He can punch. He's got, like they say, he's got he's got a good mean streak in terms of finishing. I agree with that. I, I like how he's shown that, as, especially as the years have gone on. So, I would think, you know, quite possibly Crawford's going to be in a bad mood. I don't want to finish this guy off. And and I think yeah. he's motivated and and in that kind of mood. I think he he does finish him off, and it doesn't go the distance. And I don't. This is another one of those fights like. Crawford's just Crawford. You know, what's Avenesian going to do to beat him? I mean, uh, it would have to be Crawford, only Crawford getting old overnight and not Avenesian. And, you know, why? no reason to really believe that's going to happen. I mean, Crawford hasn't been beat up or anything like that. So, um, right. you know. Uh, yeah, no, he stays no in shape no year-round. He's always in shape. Yeah, he stays in shape. He's 34. I mean, getting there for a welterweight. And that's what is becoming a shame is – you know, even if fighters yeah. are lasting a little bit longer, it's probably not good for their health, and it's not good for the sport in terms of when 
you know, they're going to these advanced ages and we're not seeing the fights we want to see. And, you know, there's a lot of examples of that nowadays. But, you know, of course, Spence Crawford, I am with everybody else there, you know, really want to see this at this point. These guys are both in their 30s, that welterweight. And it's pointed out a lot of the old days. But, you know, it is it is worthy of note, you know, like, like at the ages of like, you know, what Hearns was 22 and what was Leonard 24 right. when they fought. Um but, you know, even though that's harkening back to the old days, it's, you know, we've mentioned this before. It's, it's worth bringing up, though, too, because, you know, oddly enough, that, that part of it is actually safer. You know what I mean? Like for the brain, it's actually safer for, you know, guys 22 and 24 to be having their big fights. And we know this doesn't always happen in boxing and you can't make them do it. But like I've said it before, and, you know, neurologists say it. I mean, the idea would be like, you know, you're Leonard and Hearns and you fight at 22 and 24, and then at 30, you're out. These fights all happen right. sooner. In theory, it could happen. So I'm just saying, like, I kind of, you know, there are a lot of things to not like about it, and that's one of the things I don't like either. You know, I don't like, like, Crawford's 34 now, and, and you know, Spence is, what, 32 now, and, and they haven't fought. Yeah. They're both in their 30s still going. You know, I, I still want to see the fight, but I'm just saying it's it just – really, you know, you, you wish these fights would happen earlier for all kinds of reasons. And I, I think you can even make a safety argument. Uh, you know, I, I know you can. So, sure. um, you know, it's just, it's just too bad that you just see these ages getting advanced and, you know, we're getting Crawford Avenesian and then, you know, we don't know who Spence is going to fight next, but Hey, you know, I got to say it too. I mean, I don't like it. It's not going to be something really, I mean, we want to see, I don't think so. Um, you know, you don't know exactly whose fault it is. I mean, from the outside, I don't know why Crawford wouldn't sign for PBC, you know, for a couple of fights, but apparently he's got reasons he doesn't want to do it. I don't know what they are. I mean, that seemed right. to me to make sense, but, but it didn't happen. And, you know, like we see something like, I guess today, because um, it kind of fits. I mean, even though he's not on the star level of Crawford, um, you know, you know, Andre. You know, he's got a lot of criticism, but, you know, right. apparently he's going to fight with PBC now. And, you know, there'll be some fights there. So, hey, you know, people are fair or not, and, you know, people are getting on his case. And so, you know, then he's saying, well, what the heck? I'm I'm going to, you know, get on with PBC for a few fights here, make some fights here, and, you know, hopefully get paid and shut some people up maybe at the same time. I mean, you know, Andre's obviously got talent. He knows how to fight. So, um, yeah. Paul Crawford would do something like that. You know, that, I think that's what probably most of us expected. And uh, again, I'm not going to say I know the intricacies of, of what's going on or happened, but from the outside in this situation, it seemed a little bizarre. I mean, because even if you do it, what a two fight deal or something like that, you know, Spence and somebody else or something like that. I mean, it yeah. would seem to make sense. And instead he's fighting. And it was a two way rematch years. too. You know, they had a two way yeah. rematch in there. You weren't getting screwed. And, from the sounds of it, neither side debated it. That in the much like uh, the second fight with Wilder Fury leading the third, whoever wins gets the sixty forty. So it's like, dude, yeah, you can yeah. literally turn into the A side overnight. You know? Yeah, and like like even even you could say, oh, he he he, did, he had to go to arbitration. He wanted to get out of one of them and stuff. But I think it's a good point. Um, about taking risks and, and I understand fighters. I don't blame them. You know, it's the most dangerous sport. You, you want to get paid and, you know, want to take as little damage as possible and things like yeah. that. But you know, look, look at what Tyson Fury did do, you know, 
you know, he, he had been off and then he was come back against terrible opponent, a couple of terrible opponents. Um, he took a chance, you know, he, he went, he's fighting Wilder in the U S and a fight that's close to even money. And he has a real dramatic fight, you know, it's a draw, um, but he performs extremely well, gets up off the canvas in, in, you know, one time in a legendary fashion in the final round. And, you know, of course, Wilder, showed his medal scoring a knockdown in the 12th and he dropped Fury before that fighting a much bigger man but a lot to like about the fight the first fight and then like you said you know Fury ultimately catapults for what we have in boxing today you know catapults himself into stardom because all you got to do is look at his payday figures you know in Forbes you know you know the guy takes a chance with this even money fight for Wilder and 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 you know a few fight, a couple of fights later, he's on the Forbes list with Wilder and Joshua. You know, like when before that, it was just Joshua. Mm-hmm. And remember these days, Chris, I know you remember him well too. You know, there was a big contingent. You'd have to think about how many years ago that was, but it's hard to believe now. But it was before Wilder Fury won, where then a, a lot of matchroom fans, you just have to say, because it's the truth, or people who didn't like Wilder or even didn't like Fury, they were saying, oh, these guys, these guys can't make any money on their own. You know, they got to fight Anthony right. Joshua. Anthony Joshua's the money man, and they can't make any money. These guys right. are a joke, and you know they need to take whatever Eddie Hearn offers them. And what are they trying to do? And look, and look what happened now, years later. You know, Fury, right. you know, they made all this money. Wilder's made all this money. Um, you know, they they had a, you know, they, yeah, they had a couple live of gates have been crazy. Right. Successful pay-per-views for this era. Um, right. Worked out for them. Just a point of where you pick the right spot. You know what I mean? Like you get a little creative, like Wilder and Fury yeah. had to decide right. to do that first fight with each other. Get a little creative, take a little bit of a risk. It really can pay off. Cause I understand the fighter's point of view of, Hey, you got to get paid. You don't want to get beat up for not getting, getting paid uh, as much as you possibly can. Um, but you know, you, you have to, you know, I, I'm not like some of these people who say like, uh, you know, look with what we know about CTE and brain damage nowadays, like, Oh, I need these guys fighting four times a year. You know, no, no, you know, you, you know, it's not, it's not 1950 and, you know, it's not even 1980 and we know things now we didn't used to know. So I, I get it. You know, you, you maybe want to fight twice a year, but let's let's like I keep saying, you know, let let's they make we got to make them good fights though, you know, cut it down to twice a year, maybe right. doing it younger and get out as soon as they can. But when you you know fighting twice a year, taking some risks and making them good fights, we don't need Fury Chisora, you know, um, we don't really need Crawford Avenesian, um, even though you could argue Avenesian's the contender. Yeah, if if it was the sure. fight after Crawford and Wilder, excuse right. me, Spence yeah. just fought, sure. But it's not. That'd be different. <laughs> it's right. not, you know. Yeah, if Spence just fought Crawford and he wants to fight Keith Thurman next, you know, fine. But, you know, yeah. we're always getting baited, you know. Oh, like, like well, you know, I don't want to diverge too much and we can wrap it up. But uh, uh, and we got a couple other fights on the undercard we can touch on briefly. But just like, you know, we, you and I haven't gotten to talk about it yet. Like, I just I can't help but be skeptical. Um, you know, we got Garcia's, you know, talking, you know. Ryan Garcia talking about taking a lesser fight. And then, you know, we got tank fighting Garcia, who's not bad, but you know, it's not really what we would want from a pay-per-view. Let's, let's be, let's be fair there. 
I mean, I think I think you really can say that. I mean, even if they're marketing Tank as an attraction, and maybe he is an attraction. They know what the figures are. We don't see him. I figure if they keep going to pay-per-view, they're getting something out of it. But on the other side of the coin, if it was Blockbuster, we'd probably be hearing what the figures were. So I think it's probably kind of a mixed bag. Um, but, you know, yeah, hey, if Garcia and Tank do fight in the spring or something, but I, I'm just – I got to take a wait and see approach. You know, I can't be baited into, you know, it's just like Simo Lopez is going to fight Martin, you know, because we're going to get something else. Maybe we do, but you know, with boxing, we don't always get something else. So, um, you know, let's, we we got to, we got to get to some of the, some of the main event, the true main events here that we, that we want to see. Well, especially now, because we did actually see that. Well, the difference was they had already fought once. Wilder and Fury, then we saw some fights in between, so that does make it different. And also, um, you know, not long ago, this was more commonplace, where, you know, sometimes you fight on the same card and then meet up, but it happened more. To your right. point now, it's like, well, hold on, you know. Uh, it, it, you know, you're right. Sometimes we, we, we get the, you know, they keep putting the carrot out there, and then you go to take a bite, and then they move the damn carrot. So, yeah, it's it's you're right. It, you still got to – obviously, the outside of the ring stuff, we have to see with Tank. I think that's – I think it's going to be doable, but we'll see. You never know, of course. A judge can be a judge. So it is what it is. I mean, we don't really know for a fact of what that's going to be. But, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, I, I do like the opponent compared to the potential opponent that we've heard. Um from Garcia, I, I do like the opponent uh, Tank's going against. It's very solid. Would that be a nice Showtime fight to lead into a pay per view? Yeah, that would be great. You know, that would be right. great. And I'm sure Showtime would would benefit from having Gervonta on that as well, or maybe even a CBS Sports Network, or if they could live stream it on Paramount Plus, just this one fight to get to the other fight. Right. That would be that would be ideal, of course. But um. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I know what you're saying, though. The, the, the let's get to that fight then, um, because it was a lot more easy to accept even 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, because a lot that was kind of how they built it. And it was like, but it's going to happen. They already have it negotiated. They just need to put pen to paper. I remember, uh, you know, Tyson, I remember Holyfield sitting ringside, and there's literally a contract he could sign after the fight for like $20 million or whatever, and then Tyson gets, you know, uh, stopped. So we've seen it to where they literally had it all negotiated. So that part I don't mind in this fight because of it's not, that's what we think we're going to do. No, but at least they did negotiate it. I think that does go a long way. But you're right. You just don't know, especially nowadays. One more fight real quick. Josh Warrington, Luis Alberto Lopez. Is he a, I mean, it feels like he's a live dog here. He's not a big underdog, don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, he took some a couple losses early in his career <clears throat> to some, you know, good fighters, and they weren't like complete, complete, like mismatch-type fights or whatever. Um, his last one was Ruben Villa, I think like 2019 or 18. But he was the guy who, who did pretty much dominate you know, Gabe Flores, and he's had, you know, Andy Venez, and so he's actually come up with some good wins lately, 
and also Warrington. I know he's thirty-one and one, and you know he doesn't have a lot of power, but he does kind of at times overwhelm guys. But also, you know, the kid Galahad, you can maybe say he lost that fight. The Selby fight was a little closer. Um, him and Kiko had a war a while back. He, he won the rematch. That Mauricio Lara, uh, that was, I mean, the rematch didn't clear that up at all because we know what happened in that. But, you know, like I said, I'm not talking he's a major underdog, but he is an underdog on the books. Um, how, could we see, because they're already trying to match up, you know, the old, <laughs> speaking of, match up, you know, Lara or match up one of these other guys. Uh, they're already looking at the featherweight to pop off over in the UK at a plus 142, 135, 120. It feels like, especially that one, you know, 125, 135, if you can get it, it feels like that's a pretty good number um, to, to, to take a risk on. How, how do you see that fight going on, Warrington and uh, Alberto Lopez, Luis Alberto Lopez? Because I think as far as a competitive fight in the main event, this is the one right here that'll that'll actually live up to that, I'd say. Yeah, Lopez is a little bit up and down, and um, he's fought at some different weights. So I, I but I, I, I just want to get that out of the way because I think you know, if if he makes the featherweight limit for this without any problem, and, you know, he and he's in shape for it, I think he's going to pull the upset here. I think, you know, Hearn knows Warrington's vulnerable. He he thought Lopez, I, I, and Hearn's most of the time, you know, we laugh because he gets some of these guys upset when he, especially when he's brought over some Mexican opponents. Um, but but I, I do see a lot of other times where him and his people are pretty good at selecting what their guy's level is and you know who who they can get by, you know who, who's the who's the most credible they can float out there that they know their guy can still get by. I think that's what Hearn thinks Lopez was for this, and and I just think this is going to be one of the ones where he's wrong. I, I don't think Warrington's going to get by this one because Lopez does bring pressure and power when he's on, and I agree with you. You know when when. You know, Gabe Flores just unraveled after that, and you know, yeah. even though he's very young, we've seen it. You know, sometimes a guy, you know, high school kids can even peak. It doesn't happen that often, but once in a while, it does happen. You know, yeah, you're we've right. seen that That's with guys who got Division One, Division One scholarships yeah. that say quarterback, and then they did nothing. You know, and they really were great in mm-hmm. high school, things like that. So, I mean, I think that might be a Gabe Flores. But what I'm saying in Lopez's favor is. The Gabe Flores before Lopez beat him up was looking spectacular. He had really yes, started to come true. on. He, uh, he had started to sell me before that fight, and mm-hmm. Lopez gave him a bad beating. And uh, you know, like you said, then the Ventas fight. I mean, when when Lopez is on, I mean, he he's been really good. And I, I'm gonna guess he's gonna be in shape and beyond for this one. If he's not, you said Warrington's strength is just a high volume. He's not really. Right. Let's face it. I mean, you know, yeah, talk about he's been at the top featherweight and stuff, but he's really not that talented of a fighter, you know. If you look at his early days, right. and then, you know, you know, he got he got by. You, you look at it, yeah, a little bit of hindsight, but you do have to do this in your analysis. I mean, looking back, you know, he, he probably was catching a new, you know, a declining Frampton, definitely catching Frampton. a declining yep. Frampton, and that's what really Selby. sold me. 
that's what really got me. I was like, whoa, okay, wow. I wasn't expecting this from Warrington because I know Frampton. He's solid, you know. And that did for a right. second get me a little bit more uh, hyped about him. Yeah, it, it was me too. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people were on his bandwagon. But, you know, he's got that abnormally low KO percentage even for a featherweight. And that's always a red flag to me. So I always kept that in mind. A lot of times that's a sign of a fighter that's just – you know, even though it's a power issue, it's just where the talent's not there. Um, so, you know, we saw him get blown away by Lara. Like you said, the rematch didn't decide anything except I think it was going to be the same result. Um, I think Hearn felt the same way, too, because he kind of reversed course. You know, he was, you know, looking at having those guys, you know, they could have faced off again, but because, you know, he's got, He's used Lara, and, and he never put him back together for a yeah, third meeting Lee after Wood. that. This Lee Wood Santa yeah. Cruz thing has just been a joke, man. It just right. They go around talking shit about Leo, and then all of a sudden, all right, well, let's fight this. Oh, forget it. No, I got hurt. Uh, I got to pull out of this fight. Like, and now they called it again. I mean, this shit is just getting ridiculous. It's all about exactly. It's the same stuff. Like he, right? He doesn't want to put Wood in with Lara. He doesn't want to put Warrington in with him again. Um, it's because, you know, it, it just is that simple. He thinks these guys are going to get knocked out by Laura. I mean, really, and they will. I mean, that's yeah, what would happen. They so, most certainly you know, will. I, 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 I think he thought Lopez is gonna, was going to be like the next best thing where, you know, it, it's an opponent with a tough reputation who's not as good as Laura, and he thought that, Warrington can get by him. I mean, I think that's what Hearn does right. believe. That's why he made this fight. But I'm thinking he's wrong on this one. I just think a prepared Lopez is going to take out Warrington. Um, you know, some people are saying it's not the same Warrington after the Lara. See, for me, I just think it's just that's just was Warrington looking back. That yeah. It was a fading Frampton, a fading Selby. Yep. And, you know, like and he you had said, troubles with other guys, like you said. I just named a yeah, couple guys he, he had got, troubles with. You know, that he just snuck yeah, by. He was, he was lucky to get by Galahad. And, you know, now, look, Galahad mm-hmm. got taken out by Martinez, and then he picked up another loss, so he's faded out. So I, I think the right. signs are there that it's there for Lopez. He's got to be in shape, though, because he's fought at the higher weight, and that always worries me a little bit, you know, when then – it's, it's not that yeah, the weight classes, the performance makes that much of a difference. It's just though, but when then a guy's got to go down and actually make the weight, <laughs> that's where it can matter because, you know, he's got to start starving yeah, himself and dehydrating and things like that. So I think if Lopez makes that featherweight okay, he's got pop. He puts pressure on. Um, I think he'll take out Warrington. And it's interesting you, you talk about the, the money line betting angle because I found that very interesting. I can say that's something that, I picked up on just myself this morning. I had decided to myself last night, yeah, I'm going to play Lopez for the reasons we're talking about. And at least on DraftKings, I believe it was at 175 that I played him last night. And I went on this morning, and he was plus 110. So a flood of money came in on Yeah, you got it. Boy, you jumped on that early. <laughs> yeah, the last 24 hours, uh, there's been a flood of money on Lopez. So I'm guessing that by the time we get to Saturday, that might be even money. It's going to be my guess. Um, so the money is coming. The money is coming on Lopez. So and and you know, boxing is a you know a niche sport. I mean, let's face it. So 
I would tend to look at, you know, people betting this kind of stuff actually do know what they're talking about. So, um, you know, people that follow boxing, it looks like they're, they're falling into the Lopez camp. So uh, I, I think that the way you and I see it is people in the know we're seeing it. So I'm, I'm curious to see the way in Friday Lopez makes that weight comfortably. I mean, I'd love to see in that situation. I love when a guy, you know, maybe he weighs in at like 125.75 or something like that. You know, that's, that's kind of right. when I look at it and say, yeah, the, guy, the guy's he, he made it. He's got a quarter ready pound to of spare. He was ready. Yeah, he's ready to go. Not like, you know, he's got to take – he's got to strip strip down naked to make 126 right. on the dot or, or, go hit, yeah. or go hit the extra – Saying, the, oh, the, the hotel scale or something was like different. That. The hotel scale, the hotel scale, it was, scale, was, scale different. was different, you know, the old hotel scale. That's what like, I – First of all, there's not many hotel scales I, anyway, but the, you brought your own scale. Right. Yeah, of course it's going to be different, you know. That's right. You don't see the hotel scale much anymore. But yeah, that that's the type of thing that yeah. worries me. So that's not an automatic, but that would concern me a little more if we see that Friday. But if 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 Lopez makes that comfortably, I, I think he should have scored the knockout. Yeah, I would say on this one, get your money down on Lopez because it looks like that line's shifting uh yeah. towards towards him it's as we're getting the half to the is the under. Over under ten and a half. Hmm. Under right now on my bookie is uh, plus one fifty four, and I'm glad I got it in too because I because right now as the money line it's minus one oh two now. Oh my god, you are right! Wow, <laughs> minus one oh two on my bookie. That's all in twenty four hours. Wow, and it wasn't the plus number wasn't as high as a DraftKings. But oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, you're right. Wow, that is that really did move. I, 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 well, Man, I'm glad I got any I kind of plus I, money. Either I way, thought about it, the it, it was half, plus. But but now you got me curious. I'm going to see if I can look on my DraftKings here. What I because it was literally at this time last night that I just right. started thinking I they hadn't moved yet. Yeah, but pl- I thought you know you never know with these things. I like this Lopez play, play a lot. Let me yeah, let it. me jump right. in on this, and then I was gonna put. And then I thought about what we're talking about, and I said I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little I'm gonna go in a little bigger this morning, and that's when I right. saw the first shift, and I said, "Whoa!" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, okay." So, uh, well, nope, I wasn't exaggerating. I did even better than I thought. So, well, no, wait, wait, let's see. Okay. Let me see. Okay, I got last night at this time I got one I got plus one forty. And then this yeah, morning that's, it that's was already down plus one. Yeah. This morning it was when I went to go for more, it was plus one ten. And so and uh, mine you could mine was the, like plus one twenty, I think. Okay. And then now you got me that I got so gonna, now it's minus. Now the plus isn't even there on my bookie. <laughs> I'm going to look at but okay. The this, I'm, I'm DraftKings. Yep. Draft it's still plus one ten on the money line. Yeah, I would recommend okay. jumping in on that. Um, and then, and then let's what's see. the but over under over there number? I, I'm going to check that now because I like your idea there. Right. That's a good idea to me. Ten and a half seems high. Um, I yeah, like me that too, idea yep. quite a bit. Uh, so let's see. Feels a little high. I'm looking at the round. Uh, 
but I'm trying to see if there's a to go the distance. It's well, yeah, Chris, you got a you got a good idea there. Um, I'm just seeing it to go the distance here on DraftKings. Um, no, plus one twenty-five. Oh no, you're right, and it's under. DraftKings is under ten and a half plus one eighty. I, okay, see, it's I'm even higher over there. Yeah, it's I'm even higher over there than it is at my bookie. It's it's 154 right now on my bookie, so it's higher there too. Yeah, I I, I think I, I like that idea a lot. I, I I don't see, yeah, I don't see why this one goes over ten and a half. Uh, that's a good idea. I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, it gives think, you t- till midway to the 11th. I mean, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, and I would think that you know you would think that Lopez would be putting hurt on him before that. Already doing um, the damage, right? And right, they do stop him a little earlier over there. So yes, generally anyway. Definitely, definitely. I, I agree. I like that play. Yeah, that's surprising. DraftKings. Uh, yeah, man. Plus, plus so anybody plus out there right. get a DraftKings. Uh, you know, get a DraftKings account and head on over. Um, you might as well. If you're going to do it, you might as well take the higher one. My bookie's a little lower. So, yeah, I think I'm going to um, jump on over there and, and do the other part of the bet that I was thinking about doing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I just helped did each other out. I, uh, yeah, I, I like that. But, yeah, I would say, you know, that's a pretty good, even now that it, that it's it's gone down, but still plus one ten on Lopez. I mean, I think if you can get the plus money, jump jump in jump in there while you can get it. Yeah. All right. Any any last words there, sir? Anything else just, you'd uh, like to talk about or anything? Yeah, just wrap it up. That I think he's already ready for more, but we do have Jared Anderson fighting against Jerry yes. Forrest, uh, ESPN televised. Good spotlight for him. Forrest, at least a credible Anderson, I, I think he's ready. I think Anderson's ready for more, but I I just like this opportunity that they're putting him on there. Yeah, Young American heavyweight. We haven't had that for a long time. Um, like to see him. I think he will do it, but you know, get the impressive knockout and keep building the buzz. And you know, you have Zayas on there, and even I guess it's uh, uh, Keyshawn Davis is even taking a taking a bit of a step up. So. Uh, you know, th- those are some good guys to spotlight. I do think top rank is somewhat on the right track there. But, of course, like we're saying, we need to, we need to get these competitive fights as well. So we got to get we got to get some of that in there. It can't always be everything leading to something that a lot of times never comes. Yeah, and it can't be over-the-top prospect to where you're not really getting the test. But it does feel – this one feels a little better. Uh, than, you know, the four-rounder stuff, you know, six-rounder stuff that sometimes don't go with. Right. But, but let me throw in wrapping up, Chris. It just reminded me because it yep. does fit the theme, too, before I go. I love it. January 14th, I guess it is, we have a Jogba yeah. with Leonello uh-huh. taking on Shaw and a doubleheader on regular ESPN. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Two good heavyweight fights that are interesting that mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what's going to happen on regular ESPN. That's the type of thing to me that will get the sport get back going again. So I, I, I love that. So that, that to me is where it's got to go. You know, remember I had been saying like, look, 
top rank getting these heavyweights, maybe sign some more, and let's start getting the heavyweights on ESPN. That's exactly the type of thing I wanted to see, get that stable, start using these guys and making some good fights. Yeah, there you have it. There you have it. All right, John, you take it easy. Uh, enjoy the fights, and we'll be back next week. All right, Chris, thanks for having me. Always enjoy the fights, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Have a good night. Take care. All righty. Um, I did get a couple of messages on two fights in particular, Josh Kelly and Troy Williamson. I'll go over that, you know, briefly. And then the uh, Julio Cesar Martinez, Samuel Car- Carmona. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Carmona, let's see, the first probably probably four out of five rounds, at least three out of five rounds I gave him. Um he was doing those little loopy right hands. Pretty much the jab, you know what I mean? I gave Martinez the third. I thought he was he was starting to become he was starting to land at least. I was gonna say effective, but it really wasn't ever that effective. But I, I thought that he, the pressure he was starting to land something, but it still some of it was effective, but a lot of it was just chasing. Um but early on he wasn't, you know, um Carmona wasn't moving. He was moving, but he was moving effectively. That dude was like, you know, he looked determined, ready to pull the upset. He had the jab pumping. He had the pivot. He was on his front foot jabbing a whole lot, moving nicely, pot shots with the overhand right, Uh, you know, the little check hook, left hooks and stuff. I thought he looked really good. Um, You know, all things considered, the dude was only, what, 8-0 or 9-0? He wasn't 7-0, something like that. Um, whereas Martinez doesn't have a ton of fights, but I think he had like 20, I think it was 21. Yeah. I think he was 18 and two or something like that. So, but then, you know, by the sixth round, those wild hooks and the body work, you know, there was a nice left hook, uh, in the sixth round near the, the last part of it. And after that, it's like that left, maybe it wasn't that left hook. I think it was, I mean, he was throwing wild leaping left hooks like he does, but, um, then it just was on his 10 speed, like I said, with the little the, – the, the, those old bikes, I never had one, but I always heard about them and saw them on, like, movies where they have a little motor on the bike, you know. Um, it was a moped, like a turbo moped. I mean, he was – Carmona was just moving, 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 not, not landing, just moving, 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 moving. You can't win rounds moving that much. And I'm a guy who loves – guys that fight on the inside i think people and i've said this a hundred times on the show i think people overdo the running thing oh you know oh you know if they if they fought this thing in a phone booth bro you can't throw punches in a phone booth you ever been in one have you ever been in a phone booth most most people probably under 30 haven't but uh if you have it's there's not a whole lot of room to throw punches in there so my point is it's a 20 by 20 or 22 by 22 uh, at some what plant and BJ Saunders did that for Canelo, but, or not for Canelo. I think BJ did it for Canelo and now he's doing it for Benavides, if I remember correctly. Um, plant is, but he just was moving. That's it. He was just move, 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 move. And, you know, uh, Martinez landed his jab okay. Some of them were actually pretty good. You know, he went to the body plenty. Uh, landed some big right hands every once in a while. But, 
you know, push comes to sub, Samuel Cormona was stinking out the joint. And that's just how it is, dude. He was stinking out the joint. He was moving away too much. And when you move, and don't give me the Wolf Pernell Whitaker or Floyd Mayweather, they weren't doing that. You know, they were, go look at the punch stats in a lot of those fights. You know what I mean? They weren't getting hit, but they were also making sure the, the everyone saw, including the scorecards, that they were landing the clean shot. So, yeah, he ran himself out of that fight. But I'll say this, those first three, four rounds, five rounds, I gave him most of them. You know, like I said, at least three out of five. I think you can make an argument for three out of five, but for sure three out of five. And he moved nicely, dude. I think he just got clipped. He only had eight fights, so it was an experience, I'm sure. Whatever. Maybe he wasn't ready for the moment or whatever. But if he fought the way he was fighting, I think he would have cleanly won the fight. You know, but he did. He was was hitting them early in the fight. Then he started not hitting them, basically. I don't know if that's, that's a basic way to say it. but And then Josh Kelly, Troy Williamson. Um, you know, uh, Kelly was, you know, first, let's say, two rounds, Kelly, you know, jabbed some left hooks. He was missing that no-look left hook that he likes to throw. Um, fairly slow early. I think it, the action picked up some. You had Williamson pressuring behind that. At times, shell guard, um, but he, he was having issues landing cleanly. Once you got into the third, fourth, fifth, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth, midway stuff, once again, not a whole lot happening, and there was all of a sudden a lot more tie-ups, right? So not much clean landing for either guy, um, but still those pot shots. And then the defense, uh, Williamson, you know, I think it was the – hit their sixth round where he landed a good right hand and it actually knocked Kelly on the ropes a little bit. And I thought, okay, here you go. But then once you got into the seventh and eighth and like nine ish type, you know, area, then it was just Kelly uh, with his hands down, clowning them, right hand, left hook, left hook, right hand combo. Uh, he, he started putting his punches together more. And, uh, and then, like I said, it kind of, would turn into like more of those tie-ups, you know, and not a lot of clean movement. And, you know, Kelly had his up jab going, uh, did start to land that no look left hook, but the movement, the upper body movement, there was some flashy hands down. I think somewhere in the ninth round, it was that where he was really moving his whole upper body and, and Williamson, sure. He landed a few choppy right hands, but there wasn't much there. Uh, move pot shot. Good jab. Uh, I did think it was nice to see Kelly late in that fight go to the body. I thought he could have used – I thought he, he could have went to the body more. But another thing is Williamson, you know, I don't know exactly what rounds these were. It was later in the fight, probably past nine, of course. But Williamson finally went to the body himself. But also, he started finally using the free hand during the clinch, you know. And – it's like, dude, if you're gonna, if it's gonna, if you're gonna be in a clinch, and it was a loose clinch, so he could have just used his free hand the whole time. And I thought he, he kind of let himself down there, um, but pretty much throughout, Kelly was in control. That's that's what I saw. That's what I saw. Um, and then I did think Brandon Glanton, um, who landed like a nice, like. 
crisp, hard pause, uh, left hook, and he knocked him down. Dave, Dave, David Light knocked him down. And, you know, early on, and that was what, the 10th round, right? I think that was the 10th round. Um, you know, in the, the first part of the fight, there was some really good, clean shots from Light, mostly at range or a little bit on the outside. But to me, Glatton was, was pushing on the inside uh, activity, the better shot when they did exchange, he was getting better shot. And then, you know, as it got to like the middle rounds, a lot of the fight was on the inside. There was some tie-ups, some clinching, but it's not that light didn't land quality shots because he did. But to me, the better shots, the cleaner shots, the more effective shots, you know, I thought that was pretty cleanly uh, a tight fight competitive fight, but I thought Brandon Glanton won that fight. I thought I thought David Light uh, got a little lucky. I'm not calling it a robbery, but when it's a competitive fight and there's a knockdown, the comp, that probably did it, right? But I thought Glanton landed the better shots almost throughout the whole fight. So it was a competitive fight. Um, I, uh, I thought Glanton just, you know, landed the better shots and got more quality work done on the inside. And now the WBO did order Lawrence Coley for that fight. Now I do remember on, I think it was boxing scene. Yeah, it's boxing scene. This is good old Jake Donovan. Matchroom in a Coley legal dispute prompts WB to order immediate purse bid for mandatory defense. So, um, you know, uh, they they want to get right to this thing, you know. They want to get right to this thing, and, uh, and and I know that there was an issue, you know. That we know Coley has one fight, and he owes them a fight. So you figure it's it's you know what I mean. It's going to happen. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, We'll see if that fight. But I, I did think Gladden. I don't think it's highway robbery. Oh my! And this was Pro Box TV, by the way. That two dollar app. So it was a good fight, though. I enjoyed the fight. I didn't see two. There's a couple prospect fights that I, I kind of watched, uh, but I didn't really take too many notes or anything. But that was what I got out of that fight. I thought Brandon uh, Gladden won that fight, and I thought the left. I think it was a left hook. Um, I think that was. Let me see. Yeah, it was a left hook. So I thought he did enough to win that fight. Um, as far as, like I said, I think Tiafimo Lopez will win. Uh, Martin, good fighter, quality fighter, but I think Lopez will win. Well, he, he may t- TKO him, you know. I could see that uh, later in the fight. I mean, Lopez has a way of landing those one big shots that turn the fight, you know. So I do see him, like, uh, I do see him winning. Um, and, and on that card, like he mentioned, Jared Anderson, in a in a in a good enough fight. Uh, it's a ten rounder with Forrester. Um, Forrester's a vet, you know. Um, I think he's got like what twenty six wins, only been stopped once. Um, someone just messaged that uh, he's already been knocked out. So what's the point? But wasn't that a long time ago though? Because 
Franklin didn't knock him out, and, and, and Hunter didn't knock him out, and, and, and Pulis didn't knock him out, correct? Am I wrong on that? Maybe I'm wrong on that. I could have sworn. Yeah, I know Forrester got stopped, but I think that was a while ago. I know he lost to Hunter and then had a draw. Let me check, actually. Okay, 2013, which, you know, soon enough is going to be 10 years. Um, yeah, he got stopped by Gerald Washington, Fantasy Spring Casino Indio, um, Max DeLuca. Uh, just look at the, the rest. But, yeah, I mean, he did get stopped. but And then he actually fought Hunter as a prospect. Very Wow. He lost the hunter cleanly, but man, that's pretty. You get stopped and then you get thrown right back into the hunter. And you know, hunter's only four and zero at that time. But I knew it was a long time ago. I mean, Franklin didn't knock him out. Carlos Takam didn't knock him out. Uh, Zhang, like Hunter. I mean, the dude's seasoned. I think this is a good fight for him. I think this is a very good fight for him. Uh, I really like this fight. And then Zayas, Xander Zayas, I'm, I'm looking forward to. Uh, what Alexi Flores, uh, Sel, Sel, Solares, um, you know, he, uh, he, he, yeah, he's the one who got knocked out, right? I think Otimus did. Let me check. I'm pretty sure he got like two, three fights ago. He, yeah, he did. Yep, he did. Um, so, you know, um, I don't really see much in this fight. Um, it's probably just going to be you know, him getting it in and winning the fight. That's it. You know, that's, that's my guess. Um, but we'll see. Like the, in, in Keyshawn Davis, it's kind of interesting because he's in a six rounder against a, a solid vet, Juan Carlos Burgos, but it's only a six rounder. So, you know, in one, in some way that might do Burgos some good because he doesn't have to make it the eight or ten round, you know, with him. Because I think he's going to get eight up. But at least it's an experienced guy that, that knows what he's doing. Jai Tucker and, and Tiger Johnson are on the card as well. Um, Liam Taylor and Tyrone McKenna, that, that's a tight fight. Actually, let me check on I bet you that's a – I bet you the odds are really close on that one. Yep, there it is. McKenna is actually a, a slight underdog. The highest I see him is a plus 130, but plus 100. So Liam Taylor and Tyrone McKenna. McKenna. I think that is. Yeah, that, that could be a good fight. That could be one of those fights that just, it turns out pretty good. You know, where you're like, oh, oh, I didn't even know that this was happening. Some, you know, some people will be, you know, not even knowing. So, yeah, that that is a good fight. Ten-rounder welterweight. Um, we got that. Pedreg McCrory, he's on the undercard as well. Um, and, of course, I think Crawford will TKO Abanesian. Maybe maybe he can make it through it. Maybe not. I think I think the sharp punching is just too much for him. Uh, Chris Cyborg's on the undercard as well. Steven Nelson, uh, Jermaine Milton. Um, oh, the... the there's a co-feature that I, I actually have interest in this fight. I have interest in this fight. And I'm guessing that it's it's a fairly close odds fight. But, yeah, I have the Arnold Kahagi or whatever. 
um, Kadiji, Kadiji, and Edward uh, Baez. Now Fulton, you know, a, a little while back, uh, beat this dude, you know, cleanly. But you know, it was a good fight. It went the distance. He didn't. Let me see. One of them had eight to four. It was a good fight, actually. Um, man, Jorge Diaz. But Adam Lopez, this guy beat Jorge Diaz. Man, I haven't heard that name in a little bit. Um, he he's a, he's an experienced guy, and Baez, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, he he, he just got stopped by Navarrete, right? And that was not long ago. I mean, that was probably yeah. I gotta get box right open. Box right open. Yeah, that was that was that was that featherweight though, or one twenty two. Featherweight. Yeah, it was Featherweight against Navarrete. Six rounds. But you know what? The scorecard's 48, 47, 40. He actually did. I remember. He did have – it was a body shot. That's right. He actually had some success early in that fight. Uh, he had a close fight with Raiz Alim. Um, so, to me, I liked Arnold Kadiji. Uh, Is that how you say his name? Kajia? I think it's Kadijia. I like. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna win this fight. But Eduardo Baez, I, I like that co-feature. I think that's a pretty good co-feature. Um, and like I said, let's go to Pro Boxing dot Pro Boxing Odds, which you know allow is a great site for boxing because it allows you to uh, you know look at all the odds from different places. Let's see. Oh, maybe the. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. It actually is. It, it damn near the tightest fight of the weekend um, on some of these cards, anyway, or some of these betting books. Plus one hundred. Plus one hundred eight. Um, plus one ten. Yeah, and that's and Baez is a slight favorite. Plus one, or minus one thirty five. Plus minus one forty is his highest. So. I think I'm going to go with the slight underdog again. I'm going to I'm going to get a plus number there. I'm getting a plus number. Did I mention uh, Bruce Carrington is is on the the card too? I think I did. I'm not sure if I did, but if I didn't, there you go. He is. Uh, Ebony Bridges and Shannon O'Connell. Hopefully, that's a good fight. That's fairly equally matched, I'd say. Uh, Felix Cash. As well as on that card, um, that uh, Warrington Alberto card, uh, James Metcalf, he's on the card. So yeah, so I do have an upset, Alberto Luis or Lopez, I, Luis Alberto Lopez. I'll get it one of these times. Um, I do think I feel like it's going to go under um, ten and a half. I put you midway through the eleventh. I, I do. No matter what, I think it's going to be an upset. But I. Um, I think I'm going under too. I think I'm going to go with that other other number. Um, so did I predict all of it? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So um, there is just a little bit of news um, that we'll get to. You know, um, let's see here. <laughs> oh, there was a story, right? And I want to – I saw it uh, in the Insider, Al Dawson. We've had him on before. We're going to have him on in the future. He does a great job. He's one of the few that really do a quality, quality job. Him and Jake really stand out among, you know, others too. I'm not trying to 
you know, Ike's pretty solid. There's solid guys out there. Um, and females. But WWE, so this is Al Dawson Insider. The WWE is contemplating a move into boxing. Co-CEO Stephanie McMahon is saying this. Um, it sounds like they are contemplating a move into boxing. And as it says here, boxing is a you know, disjointed sport. And I guess it was at the 6th Annual Wells Fargo TMT uh, Summit. Uh, you know, they, they're talking about the landscape of the divisions and people getting they don't know who's the lineal champ, who's the WBC. It's all over the place, is the quote there. Um, and boxing is not the only space WWE could be, uh, you know, adding to, to align with our capabilities. So there, there might be some potential acquisitions out there. But speaking specifically on boxing, though, um, she says, you know, the, the experience in tidying up a fractured industry um, is, you know, what basically – grew the WWB Vince, you know, in the marketing, uh, into the market-leading pro wrestling company. My father, Vince McMahon, who was the chairman and CEO, obviously had opportunities uh, to roll up all these different territories and create one major ba- uh, brand in WWE that has now gone from regional territory content play to global media, media franchise. So, you know, that that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, I think that's pretty interesting. Could that, you know, like the marketing and all that and, and, and that type of thing, you know, I, I think that can play into it. I think there could be some positiveness there. But ultimately, and I think I've only, I've seen it did a little bit here and there beyond that article and, and some folks talking about it. Only podcast, only one podcast talked about it um, that I've heard anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, the obvious is, well, then you'd really have to buy up a lot of, you know, you'd have to buy a good chunk. Of, it's not just the belts, you know, that are fractured, obviously. So you'd have to buy PBC, Matchroom, Top Rank, or over here, Top Rank, Golden Boy. And, and you know, if you're going to joint them all together, hey, sign me up. I know they say, oh, competition really helps. Yeah, it does. It does, no doubt. But how many competitors do you need in one, you know, in one market? <laughs> like, I know, hey, small business owners, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying, in this in this line of work, it's like, dude, like, we're already fractured as it is. And then when you get your own separate deals, it's all about making the in-house fights. That's why I've been a lot more pro in-house fights since everybody signed these deals. And, yeah, we used to complain about too much in-house fights. And, and, and there's a point there, of course. But if you have a lot of people, a lot of fighters at a weight class, you might as well match them up. So, you you know, if you got the deal and you got to have a bunch of fight dates, you know, to, to make good on the deal, well, then you might as well match them up, right? So I'm, I'm pro in-house fights way more than I used to. But that's for obvious reasons, you know. Um, but, yeah, if you could uh, – I mean, you'd have to buy, like, you'd have to, like, are you going to just, I don't know, just to buy all the belt, sanctioned belts. It's possible, but how do you, I don't know. It's just weird. And then who's going to take less money and more money in that? 
are they all going to say, hey, this is my – I'm going to just overbid or, you know, you got to overbid me to get the company? Like, so you'd have to get this – you'd have to buy the sanctioned belts. You'd have to buy up a bunch of companies. Like I said, natural, PBC, blah, 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 top rank, golden boy. You'd have to buy all that up. And if you can, God bless you. <laughs> you know, that'd be great. And that would have to be part of a huge deal because you'd have to, I mean, imagine the dates you'd have, you know. Uh, but then, you know, it, those folks would probably be still operating in their said business. So they would do a lot of the work, but I don't know. I just don't know if that's possible. I'm not saying they can't raise some money to do it, but. I just don't see it as a realistic thing. But who knows? Maybe they get in there and they do some damage. Um, this is Jake Donovan again just uh, yesterday. Stanonius and Ortiz, WBA orders December 12th first bid hearing, at, you know, as the negotiations stalled. They didn't have a lot of time to, to negotiate. Um, I, I That's fine. They might as well go. It, it, it's really close. You know, I mean, December 12th is just right around the corner. It's going to be at the WBA's annual convention next week. I believe it's in Orlando. Um, And here it is. The fight was ordered November 18th. They gave him 30 days, free negotiation period, and officially due to take place by January 16th, 2023. So they do got to get this freaking thing going. Um, Stanionis, as we know, the promoter Schaefer and Probellum, and then the manager Shelby Finkel and Ortiz, of course, Golden Boy and, and Mick Mer- or Rick uh, Marijan, Marijan, Marijan. Um, so we'll see, man. You know, we'll we'll see. They, they both wanted to to have this. We know Ortiz wanted to have this fight. They wanted to push to have it. Once this was, you know, made, and that's why Boots Boots thought just said yesterday that he thought he was fighting Stanonius until they made this call. And some of it was the WBC making the call and taking, you know, some sort of uh, lead, you know, for Thurman, for the WBC. So they said, okay, well, what the hell? Maybe they'd have to drop the belt. Nope. The WBA called to say, hey, let's make this belt. And whoever wins is the mandatory for the winner of Assumingly Spence and Thurman. And I have heard some news that we're going to actually get um, some more announcements on some fights coming up. Now, does that mean we're going to get the whole Showtime rollout? I wouldn't go that far. I don't think we'll go that far, to be honest with you. But, uh, I mean, hey, I want it to be. (laughs) You know, that'd be dope. But I don't think we'll get a... I don't know. The, I heard some things, and then I saw Espinoza in the, the Boxing Source interview saying, um, kind of referencing to hopefully we get to Spence Thurman, you know. And he's also saying we, we do have a big schedule coming up, and we've gone over the, the fights that we feel like are, are going to get made. And, you know, from January to May, wow, it, it looks like a bomb-ass schedule. We'll see, though. R.I.P. to Mill, uh, Mills Lane. He passed away. I think it was uh, 
the Hall of Fame referee passed age 85. And someone, uh, Troy Hughes, had this little tweet here that said, a 10-1 boxer, a law school graduate, former district attorney, former district judge, referee, and a member of the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, in his the celebrity death match. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but RIP, definitely RIP. Um, Demetrius Andre. So we found out a little bit more about the, well, a whole lot more, actually, about the undercard for Tank and uh, Garcia. And we're talking about Hector. We're not talking about Ryan. Um, you know, we have Boots Ennis in there. Um, you know, it, it's it's a fight that, once again, he thought he was, this is how he says it, okay? He, he said that I thought I was getting Sanonius. And, you know, now I don't have him. You know, it happens. It's it's not the end of the world. But, you know, <laughs> it does kind of suck for him, obviously. But uh, um, the guy he's fighting, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's, it's not – I understand people being mad at the fight and all that. But, you know, this is what we're dealing with with the – you know, I, I'm not trying to single out the IBF as, oh, they're, they're running the sport. But – you know, we, we like the – and I've said this many times over the years. We love the, the, the IBF because they're real stern, right? But do you love the, all their fucking rankings? Because I sure don't, you know? I sure as hell don't like a lot of their rankings. And like I said, I don't like a lot of those other rankings either. You know what I mean? But this Chuck Chuck hot – I don't know how to say his name. Chuck Hadzian? Chuck Hadzian? He's basically – I mean, when you look at how it goes down, it's it's Karen Chikadzian. And I, and I know who this guy is. I think if you really think about it, um, you'd remember him. But it's like maybe you saw one of his fights. Um, Ryan Martin is a fight that I remember seeing um, along. That was a that was last year, I believe. Oh, no, no, no. That was it was either late last year or early this year. That's kind of the one that stands out for me. Um, not that I think much of Martin, but, you know, that that's a fight that you could say, oh, yeah. And then the uh, Ali Funeke, Funeka, um, you know, he beat him uh, pretty cleanly in 2017. So the guy really, like I said, when it comes to the fight, look at the ratings, dude, you know, because that's what they're going off. So before you say, "Oh, this is a this is a bum fight," I mean, I hear you, dude. Where nobody's, I don't think too many people besides the two guys fighting are happy. I mean, I don't, I doubt Boots is happy either. But you know, like I said, the WBA called for the damn thing, so he he can't, you know, he can't fight Stanonius. He thought he was going to be the co-feature to Spence Crawford. It was going to be Stanonius. That'd be a great fight. Now, hopefully, we get that Ortiz Stanonius because that's. That'd be a great fight for where they're both at, you know? But this is it, dude. I mean, look at the IBF. Spence as a champ, number one. Ennis, number two, not rated. Number three, Virgil Ortiz. He's out because of that. And number four, guess who it is? This dude over Thurman, over Avenesian, Golib, uh, Villa, over Roach, uh, Crowley, you know, 
I mean, it's it's a shitty top 15 probably, right, <laughs> compared to the other ones. But this is how they do it. They go down the line. And this dude was like, hey, man, I'll take this fight in a heartbeat. So um, it's going to be a live crowd because Gervonta fight is fighting. That's a positive for him. And he gets a fight, dude. You know what I mean? He gets to fight. And, you know, I'm just – and it gives him the leverage he needs to become the mandatory. And, and, you know, I actually saw Espinosa going back and forth with some folks. Um, And it's true. Like, you know, you you could be the number one contender. We say that all the time. People call it the mandatory. But until it's called, until you got him – at least with some paperwork helps you out. Doesn't mean you're going to get it for a fact, but hey, you know, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. So that fight's there. Like I said, not really looking forward to that in a major way. It's just nice to see Boots, especially in a good spot. I think that is a really good spot for him. Um, so that, that part's dope. Get a highlight real knockout in front of the you know the East Coast fan. I I, I like that part of it. Um, and then uh, oh yeah, Andre is on that card. Demetrius Andre is now. I haven't heard it exactly one way or the other. To be honest with you, um, I don't know if he just signed with Al or if he did a deal with Showtime. I think you know I've heard it's just Al, but I don't know. I don't know. I, but I, from what I heard prior that it, Al was offering him, I don't know if it's a free fight deal or not, but, and I'm not talking about the one previous that Showtime did, the one-off, or you can have a three fight deal or whatever, multi-fight deal, when they were looking to make that uh, Charlo fight. But this, the, I mean, he's fighting on Showtime, so he's got to be tied with one of them. And I believe it's Al Heyman, but don't quote me. He's taking on uh, Nicholson, you know, it's not a great fight. He's, he he did say that he wanted um, to get a fight in, you know, and then he's ready to go. So that's basically what he's doing right here, you know. Um, like I said, am I big enough to fight like it's a great fight? No, I'm not. You know what I mean? I'm not. I don't think it is a big fight. But, you know, to, it's been over a year since he fought. He did have that injury. Um, so I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to give him a fight to come back. I mean, Nicholson's not a, you know, just a complete pushover. You know, he's a good fighter. Also, Rashidi Ellis actually is in a pretty good fight with the Venezuelan fighter, uh, Villa. Roeman, I think it's Roeman Villa. Um, that is kind of an underrated fight. Um, once again, not trying to say this dude's a killer or, uh, you know, Rashidi's going to get knocked out or something like that. But honestly, this dude's got some power. Um, I know he's got a bunch of knockouts. I'm not trying to say it's against a lot of awesome talent. I know he already has a loss. Um, But, you know, I mean, when's the last time Rashidi fought? I mean, well, he did get a fight in this summer, didn't he? He had that long break. That's right. So he fought Rocha, beat him. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. Um, beat Rocha in October 2020. That I think that was on the card. Uh, was that on the uh, 
Tiafimo Lopez Lomachenko, I think it was. Um, yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I'm wrong. Uh, anyway, I got a little confused there. <laughs> but, you know, he, he went like almost two years without a fight. So he only had, and he had a two and a half one rounder. So I actually, I think this guy's pretty good. And he's got, yeah, 25 and one, 24 knockouts. I'm not trying to, you know, he had a split decision, but it was a 12 rounder. And I'm not trying to say this dude's a killer because um, he's not. But he did recently that Boca Chica, Boca Chica, he beat and he knocked him down. Yeah, he knocked him down in round two, deducted a point in the mouth. He, he, he beat him cleanly. Um, and that was on Showbox, right? I think so. I don't know. But either way. This dude's a pretty good fighter, man. And for what it is, I actually like this fight. I like it for what it is. It's nothing crazy, but for coming back, trying to get your, you know, footing down now that he's on this side, he's going to get this fight, and then he's going to move on. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, Andre, you know, we'll see. You know, he said he signed up. He said he's ready to go. And they're talking about some big fights for him. Um, he's been in this scenario before, you know. The guy, the guy went the distance with wasn't Berlanga. Yeah, he went the distance with Berlanga. I know he just recently knocked out Brooker. Um, oh, Jesse Nicola, Nicola, man, wow, I haven't heard that name in a while. Jesse Hart knocked him out. Had a split decision like in 2017. Aleem had a there we go that's another fight I saw him in the Aleem fight so you know for what it is once again this isn't that's the thing this this card beyond the Rashidi Ellis this card kind of feels like and sometimes I notice in the, the UK more um it's one thing to have a bunch of prospects fighting just mediocre fights but sometimes and, and don't get wrong, don't get me wrong, UK. But you know how they'll just mention one guy, Rashidi Ellis, Boots, Andre, all on the same card, right? And you're like, okay, well, who are they fight? You know, so it, it does give me those vibes. I think Nicholson's a fine fighter. Now, you know, we'll see how he can handle 168. But you know, Andre, like I said, it's been out, been out of the ring for a while, over a year. He had that injury. Yeah, he, he has a – it'll be 12 – almost 12 months – or 13 months, excuse me. He fought late last year, November 19th, quickly. So, yeah, he's had two rounds, and actually he hadn't fought since Liam Williams' fight. I mean, if you look at it, you know, that uh, Akavava or, or the uh, – that, uh, that Walter dude he got the belt from, uh, Luke Keeler – you know, he hasn't been fighting killers. So, you know, it is what it is. He's getting back. We'll see where he goes. Um, but like I said, he was at the zone. And remember, beyond Charlo, I remember Eddie had that, hey, if you want to fight middleweight for a middleweight title and become one of the best middleweights, you got to be a zone fighter. Well, Andre was a zone fighter. So, and nothing happened over there for him. Now, I always say, let's preference it, though. 
you know, um, because they did make that on the Andre uh, Billy Joe Saunders fight, and that's Saunders' fault. That's that has nothing to do with those guys. So, um, you know, we'll see. I want to see him mix it up with people. You know what I mean? That's what I want to do. He's over there talking about, oh, well, now you have no place to run, but. As we know, he went to a different platform after, you know, we've, we've gone down this road before. You can make an argument both guys from both offers, Showtime and and DAZN, because it was first Showtime. At that time, it was a career high that you could just do a one-off with Charlo for Andre, or you could do multi-fight. This is his words on the uh, Mannix podcast. And then the flip side. You know, whatever Eddie, you know, he had his finger on the the number, but whatever Eddie, a sizable, at least we know it was a sizable deal, especially then when DAZN had more money for these type of fights, Um, like overpaying for these type of fights is what I meant by that. Uh, You know, you can make the argument Charlo show went over there then, you know. Um, I didn't think Charlo would go cross without it being Golovkin or Canelo, just like Jacobs. Notice how Jacobs didn't leave until it was Golovkin. He fought so well, HBO gave him a deal. Then he got the Canelo fight. The first fight he went to the zone with was Canelo. (laughs) Got a big payday for him. So, you know, I I just didn't think that would be realistic, but that shit's gone now. You're at least with the PBC or you're with somebody over there. I want to say that it is actually, uh, I believe it is actually, I think it's it, it is uh God what am I doing I think it's Al but we'll see um and this is a quote from him about Canelo Alvarez which you know this is just like an Andre quote here he ain't trying to get in there with the real dogs or someone that really knows how to really fight <laughs> you know, like oh okay so Bibble's a bum is that, is that is that what that is Bibble's just kind of just shitty he doesn't know how to fight okay there is a rumor going around and remember. Uh, Broner said he's got an announcement on Saturday. There's a rumor going around. Redcatch, Yvonne Redcatch, and Adrian Broner. There was a rumor sometime in February on BLK. So I'm, I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, I, don't, I do not know. I'm just saying. Okay. Um. Oh, uh, Barbosa Box, who does once in a while come upon some good information, reliable information. We'll see if this is true. He's saying January 20 or 2023, which we figured Ryan Garcia would fight in January. Mercito Hesta. Sounds like the fight will probably be at 140 in, in California or Texas. Mercito Hesta. Uh, you know, take that for whatever. Canelo Alvarez, John Ryder, very likely next in May in the UK, US or Mexico. That's what Eddie Hearn said. He added that Dimitri uh, Bibble could fight Joshua Bawazi or Callum Smith before the Canelo rematch in September because obviously, you know, Bibble shouldn't have to just stand around. Here's some other news. Anthony Joshua is now once again in the US learning from different traders ahead of his 2023 return. AJ's trained uh, in Virgil Hunter's gym yesterday. So 
So we'll see. Is he is he just going to go to a bunch of them? Is he going to stick to one of them? What's he going to do? We're going to find out. We are going to find out here kind of soon. Um, it does sound like Gervonta, he leaked um, that uh, that Eddie Hearn offered him a deal. He said, Ryan Garcia, February, March 2023 on his own pay-per-view, guaranteed of $10 million plus a, a, a pay-per-view bonus to be agreed upon. Looking forward to hearing from you. I'm in Cleveland this week. If you want to fly out, come get it. Love, Eddie. Or thanks, Eddie. I mean, <laughs> thank you, Eddie. Not love, Eddie. I'm sorry. Um, and it was kind of weird. Some people thought it was kind of weird because, well, what would he have to do with the Ryan Garcia fight? Um, is he trying to steal Ryan Garcia, you know, from Gold? Boy, that didn't really line up to me because they're both on the zone. They don't necessarily do a ton of stuff together. They just did Bivol and, and Ramirez. But um, hopefully we see more cross between them. But, I mean, if, if he's a free agent, and now we know that he doesn't have a uh, – he has a manager still, Al Hayden, but he is not with Mayweather uh, Promotions anymore, Javante. So they have – they, they, they can send it. Now, send him an offer. Now, did they send that same offer – to Al Heyman, that that's that's really what needs to happen um, because that's who represents them. Now we heard that Shakur sent an offer to Zapata. This is what Oscar said: "I need more exposure for Zapata to create a super fight with Shakur, but I love that fight." So we'll you know we'll see, we'll see. I'm hearing uh, from Barbosa Box from people here as well. This might be something. February 11th at the Armory, that Ponce Matias. I mean, please, please. I need something in the middle of February, baby. Um, and then obviously, you know, Jaime Munguia did decline the fight with Janabek. Okay. And Regis Progress did confirm that he did get his fight purse. He's good to go. Good to go. So, so just calm down on that one, everybody. And we're also hearing from uh, your boss, Anoli, the the Adios, that he's walking around, he's talking, he's response, you know, he, he's feeling good, he's responsive, and all that. So that's freaking really good, man. And I did hear a little bit. Oh, Bam Rodriguez, Christian Gonzalez, WBC flyweight title. Eyed for March 2023. So sign me up for that. That'll be on the zone, you assume. Um, but yeah, we'll just do a couple of boxing Twitter stuff and then we'll get out of here. Um, someone sent me this. This will get people mad, but I have Tevin Farmer. But Tevin Farmer is the closest I've seen to Purnell Whitaker since Sweet Pea left the ring. Jesus Christ. Who, uh, wait a second. I've seen this tweet but oh you know what this is from Lukey shouts out to Lukey in your book I picked it up by the way Lukey I just gotta read it I, I'm pretty busy right now sorry man but shouts out to you yeah that was that was somebody that Lukey said that yeah I think you know I like Lukey but I think he's pretty wild for saying that but yeah, someone sent me that oh by the way Ray Jackson asked Gervonta Tank and Ryan should be on Cinco de Mayo. 
and this is just one-sided, but Gervonta said the zone wouldn't let Ryan fight on that date because of Canelo, which maybe that kind of lines up. If Andre ends up with a better better 2023 than his entire zone run, a lot of questions will be asked. Yeah, I mean, it's not as elementary as people are thinking. We they got to make the fights first. Um, he's over there, though, so that's positive. That is a positive thing. Um, Estrada is the best Mexican boxer in boxing. He probably has been for years. Uh, that's pretty controversial. I, I don't know if I'd say all that. But, you know, whatever. Now, this is uh, Ryan O'Hara, you know, when, 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 or Espinosa, when, when, you know, talking about Zapata needing more fights, right? He's 22-0. and 0. This is his translation to Golden Boy saying that with the Shakur fight. Translation, Golden Boy isn't in, in, isn't in a, a position to risk losing anyone. That's why Senecia left, expects more to come to their senses soon. Expect more to come to their senses. Oh, like boxers there. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why they don't want to put him in there, you know. The whole, we got to give more exposure, it's going to be a super fight. That's ridiculous, too. Oh, here's uh, on the PBC podcast, Hector Luis Garcia said he plans to move to 140 after a couple of fights at 135. So, obviously, he's pretty comfortable with that fight. Anyway, we're going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll be back, uh, you know, next early week, and we got ourselves a banger as a main event as well next Saturday. So hopefully we got some really, really good fights that pop up this weekend. Enjoy the fights. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that 